0: Oh, Creuson, Nadala Welcome to Habits and Bicycles, the drunk podcast where two random lesbians review Christmas specials of Call the Midwife. I'm Kim.
1: And I'm Charlie. Hi
0: Charlie. And together we
1: are and Sam. We
0: are and Sam.
1: Oh we've got. And together we are Habits and Bicycles. Ha ha. Which one are you? Habits or Bicycles?
0: I think I'm a habit.
1: Yeah. No, you. no. No, Does I'm that bicycle. make me a bicycle? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Either way, it's not too... Anyway. Help. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, today we're going to be reviewing a Christmas special. So despite the fact it's August, uh, we have become as Christmassy as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Kim has a piece of tinsel shoved up her ass. <laughs> i do and it's her very him has a tiny bauble on it
0: he <laughs> promised you wouldn't tell people that <laughs> i can't believe he said that it's
1: so, all right only will know and our five listeners so if you're listening shh you it's, never ever knew
0: it's pressing rather uncomfortably
1: <laughs> every time you cross your legs do you lose channel four <laughs>
0: <laughs> every time the bell rings an angel gets its wings
1: Um, so in order to make this maximum Christmassy, I was wearing a Santa Claus hat. However, my dog, who's a puppy, we have a puppy now, lost his mind and didn't like it. Thought it'd been stolen. So I've had to take it off for purposes of recording this. Um, but we are drinking Christmassy drinks. So Kim, what are you drinking?
0: I've made a pint and a half of Snowball.
1: And for our American listeners, do they, I don't know if they have Snowballs over there.
0: Mm, not sure so it's avocado and lemonade so i think the the closest equivalent they have over there is like eggnog
1: what is eggnog is it just yeah. egg i don't know that's i think it's egg like with gone brandy.
0: Off. yeah
1: it's egg that's gone off yeah just pauses so oh, have you cut your head no
0: have you always had a mole
1: oh my bleeding yeah um so yeah. <laughs> do you want to start again <laughs> cut me fucking head hang on just getting rid of the blood um so you're drinking eggnog i'm drinking baileys oh sweet mm-hmm. very sweet at actual christmas you can get like flavoured baileys so they do like a chocolate one that's lush
0: mm, you can get that in waitrose at the moment actually
1: can you It's called Lux. Nice. You can't get that in the normal shops for normal people. Um,
0: I am a normal person.
1: She's she's actually in a yacht. She's telling me that. (laughs) I'm topping my eggnog up. What, with more eggnog? Yeah. So as this is Christmas, in the spirit of Christmas, we are going to get absolutely wankered. Yep. And we're going to review season four's Christmas special. Now, somebody did ask us, how do you know which season belongs to season? I'm going to go with the BBC's um, word for it. And they say that this Christmas special belongs at the end of series four. So you have your series then you wait all the year for Christmas, where you have the special and that's the whole series. And then they do another one.
0: Hmm.
1: So if you hear any um, other sounds, by the way, it's my puppy, um, trying to eat his bed, so I do apologise about that. But uh...
0: it may also be my clip piercing. So
1: yeah, it may be Kim's baubles rubbing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so does it
1: give you static shock?
0: No, no, it's just quite a nice tightness in the trouser groin area. It's quite nice.
1: I suppose it works with your captain outfit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> On your yacht? Oh yeah, with my little hat that says captain.
1: Yeah. Ahoy, shiver me timbers. <laughs> <Land ho. laughs> um So, I was going to ask you, how do you say Merry Christmas in Welsh? But you've already done it for us. Yeah. Beautifully done, by the way.
0: Ta, thank you.
1: She is actually your actual Welsh person,
0: mm, only on weekends.
1: She's got a dragon tattooed on her boob. Charlie. We've discussed oversharing before. <laughs> um, I was also going to say to you, right, I was talking to an American friend and I realised that actually in America, they don't have Christmas dinner. So they have a Thanksgiving because they have two Christmases. They have Thanksgiving and then they have Christmas. It's the same kind of vibe. So their big family meet up is Thanksgiving and then Christmas. They're not too asked about. Whereas over here, Christmas is like the big thing. Yeah. So like let's just what do you have on your Christmas dinner?
0: Okay. Do you want the full rundown?
1: Mhm.
0: Okay, so we start with a fish starter that my dad prepares, nice. which is usually like salmon salad, maybe some potted shrimps. That sort of thing. Then we have homemade soup that my dad makes, usually mushroom and tarragon, maybe he'll mix it up with a watercress occasionally
1: oh stilton is stilton for me is it
0: stilton and broccoli nice no. nice i can highly recommend the mushroom and tarragon i'll give it a go um and then the secret to it is he doesn't he uses um mushroom porcini stock cubes makes it very nice mm-hmm. um then we have the christmas dinner with the full works if my mum can be asked we have turkey if she can't be asked we have beef yeah Um, then we have cheese and biscuits and it's usually then that takes an hour or so for the cheese and biscuits because we basically graze Um, and then that's it and we have a different wine with every course
1: yeah so we have something similar we usually go for like a fish platter so um, my dad lives near the sea so he tends to bring like fresh crab and we'll like do it all up and dress it and have that, or sometimes mm, we'll nice. splurge and go to Waitrose and get like a proper fish board with like potted shrimp and all of that. Then we'll do a soup. Um, then we'll have the main. Um, so we chain, tend to change the meat a lot. We tend to do a gammon as well for cold meats on Boxing Day, um, which are, we cook slowly. And then you have like your veg. Do you have a Yorkshire pudding?
0: Only if we're having beef.
1: You're a traditionalist. Mm, very much. Well, my mum is. Ah, uh, okay. And then for pudding, because I've got some relatives that are, like, mad for their puddings and their sweet stuff, we usually get, like, a chocolate trifle. Okay. Or a Yule log, which is, like, a we're, Swiss roll.
0: We're not big pudding people. We just rather eat another face full of cheese and
1: biscuits. I do love a bit of cheese and biscuits. You can't beat it. We've got a really nice cheese shop near mine. so Excellent. I Excellent. So I make a free order for a bundle. And, like, actually, I should probably go in now and say that I <laughs> put my order in because I just pick it up it's like a little basket it comes with like really nice like bits of pate and obviously mm. the meats and the cheeses and all of that but I'll be working this Christmas. Mm.
0: nightmare. Do you find oh. that different cheeses go better with different biscuits?
1: Totally like you've got a soft cheese you really want like a hard crumbly um, cracker but then you go for like a hard cheese you want a soft cracker and the chutneys you've got to have some nice chutneys no
0: no No, just uh grapes and dates
1: i like to make my well my wife makes a really good chili jam oh, oh so good nice yeah. yeah bloody love christmas christmas is basically <laughs> about eating food once you've reached like as a kid you're like oh santa's gonna come but as an adult you're like "What the food really good cheese <laughs> <It's> <laughs> i bad, cannot wait we do
0: exactly the same thing at easter though it's like easter's like a rerun of christmas day for us
1: we don't really do that i've never because I've, I've worked probably easter sunday since i was 16 so i've never really had it off
0: right so. but to be fair we do a roast dinner every sunday whether it's yeah, in or out a roast. so tradition you know, yeah, whereas tradition. It,
1: americans won't know what a roast dinner is because you lot don't have roast dinners you have dinners but you don't really have a roast dinner on a Sunday. Mm. Got to have it. It's traditional. It's traditional. Most people are having it on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just going to ask you, like, what was I going to ask you? I was going to ask you something else. For oh, mince pies. Do you like a mince pie? Do you not like them?
0: It depends on the pie. It depends on the... Pastry to mince meat ratio.
1: What? More pastry, less mince meat, or the other way? Yes. And I want then loads
0: filled. of. No, I don't want a deep filled. I want more pastry. I don't want to be filled deeply. Um, and it's got. I have loads of custard. Loads of custard.
1: So do you like a hot pie?
0: Yeah. Actually, I really like the flavour of mince pies, as in the mince meat. I just don't. I'm not a big fan of um fruit uh you know like the um raisins or sultanas or whatever they are in it mm. but i came across many years ago something called jersey black butter and jersey yeah. black butter is like a jam that tastes like the inside of mince pies Ooh, it's amazing nice. and it's no. smooth so it's gorgeous
1: that does sound nice mm. um I love mince pies. Oh, it's always you know the start of the Christmas series um, season, about August time. You start selling them <laughs> in the shops, don't they? <laughs> Declare Christmas. Um, yeah. But I love a mince pie. I like making them as well. I like Do baking. you? Yeah. yeah, I like baking my own mince pies. Oh, no, can't be asked. Rather just buy them. I can't stand though Christmas pudding. No, God, no. It's rank, isn't it? Like, it's got marzipan on it, and it's. Oh, no, I like marzipan. It's full of whiskey, and it's just. Bleak. I like whiskey. <laughs> My um, great uncle, he used to make um, his Christmas pudding in his shed. He used to make a lot of stuff in his shed. Um, and um, he like he used to make his own mustard with a gas mask he had from World War II. So you'd go around, and you'd be like, all right. And he'd be like, well, out in a second. With gas mask on no <laughs> no really. seriously yeah it was he was fun um <clears throat> so yeah so that's christmas um if you guys have different christmas traditions uh, if you have things that you do specifically we'd really like to hear it so pop it in the review section of itunes if you listen to it on that or just tell us on the discord please feel free to join and let us all know what you do for christmas um so after that i think 20 minutes Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be slightly longer, guys, because the Christmas special is slightly younger. So just you know, pour yourself an avocado or a snowball mm. or an eggnog or, or a, port, uh, or a, or a port or a bailey's or a bailey's or peppermint snaps some... if you're
0: Ugh, Jesus.
1: Someone suggested that and I did look, guys, but I just cannot get it. So if anyone wants to send me some peppermint schnaps, I will be a willing participant. Yeah.
0: Don't, don't, don't say that. You'll get like 20 bottles in the post.
1: <laughs> and I'll drinking. drink them all. <laughs> I'll stick them in the Baileys. It's beginning. Oh, what's your favourite carol?
0: Actual carol or just Christmas song? Christmas song. I, what's that one? <sighs> rocking around. I like rocking around the Christmas tree. Mm. In terms of actual carols, I think it's probably Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem.
1: That's a good one, yeah. I like shepherds. Wash Wash their their
0: socks by night. by did on on the back.
1: An angel of the Lord came down and taught them how to... I also like Kate Rusby's um, Santa Never Brings Me a Banjo. It's always a good one. I don't know
0: that one.
1: Santa Never Brings Me a Banjo. Anyway, so... We will. Sh- we start the episode? Do we have to? Let's do it. Okay. So, guys, this is the Crimbo special where you know our pupcake lovers are reunited. Um, Yay. it's also about Iris, who I love her actually. She's one of. She's really good in this episode. I also lowkey think she's quite hot, and I don't understand why.
0: Oh, Victoria Hamilton, totally.
1: She's fit, isn't she? Totally, yeah. She would. Um And then you've also got Monica Joan being the most dramatic bitch ever. It's epic, <laughs> I love, isn't it? I just fucking love her. It's like God-tier levels of pettiness. You know what I mean? Like, we all have someone to look up to. <laughs> <sighs> so, the... Episode opens up to Tom baptising a baby. Um, also, Tom is a parish priest, yeah? Mm-hmm. That's quite a posh church he's baptising that baby in.
0: It's a big church. I don't know it's if it's like It's a posh. cathedral. Well, yeah, but it would have had to have been big to accommodate. If you think we're going back to the days where everybody went to church, some people went to church two or three times on a Sunday.
1: Yeah, but why is he so poor then?
0: I don't know that... Necessarily, he doesn't get it so okay there's a collection plate that goes round I don't Mm. think he gets the money that goes in that I don't think he's I don't think that's his wages
1: (laughs) I always think of it like a pyramid scheme like the bigger (laughs) church yeah (laughs) you you enroll like three priests they have their own church there to give you a cut is it not like the biggest pyramid scheme on earth
0: well you might say that but they like to call it um, fair
1: share I'm sure they do um, so Jenny monologues talking about the nativity story About how it's about a mother's love and a baby's birth So obviously we're already primed for the fact that this is probably going to include A baby born a baby. in a nature. A baby born in a stables um, Next scene, Monica Joan is looking for alcohol Ain't we all babe? Ain't we all? Just looking for alcohol all the time um she's got a cough she's already got a bit of a suspicious <laughs> which when she first did it was probably quite endearing but if she did it in 2020 2021 it's like, put, isolation. put your mask on monica jones don't you know what's it called you scrambling your viral strains or something shedding that's it um <laughs> William Monica Joan are making mince pies. Right, we've just talked about mince pies, but can you just explain to our American listeners what a mince pie is, because they don't have it over there.
0: Yes, thank you. A mince pie is a save is a sweet dish eaten at Christmas time in Britain. It is pastry filled with mincemeat. Mincemeat meat is not what it sounds. There is no meat in it. It is just strange bits of fruit put together in a nice tasting jelly. Type thing
1: jam jam, and it tastes fucking lush. Honestly, it's like angels jizzing on your mouth. Can you see,
0: <laughs> I, wouldn't go, I wouldn't
1: go that far. I, I love them. I, I love my first mince pie of the season around August when I'm like, Oh, I'm getting in the spirit. No, I did have a hunt round to see if I could find any, but they weren't stocking. In the air. And the guy at the shop looked at me funny when I asked, He was like, Why would we have mince pies? It's August. <laughs> I, th-
0: I went. I went to Waitrose and asked for Advocar and I got the same look.
1: I did. I did ask the guy. I said, "Have you got any advocare?" He's like, "You just asked me for mince pies, and now you're asking me for snowballs. Are you all right?" I had to go to Tesco. <laughs> um, so anyway, she's looking for alcohol. New scene. Trixie brings in the first quality street twin of the season. Okay, Uh-hoo! the fucking size of that tin. I know it's inflation. massive oh, they're definitely just, getting smaller aren't they and they cost more yeah we're
0: just being screwed over every which way
1: i think when they used because it used to quality street it's like a chocolate like a christmas chocolate it's like a selection box but it used to come in a metal tin hmm. you, it went to shit as soon as they swapped to plastic you knew we were on a downward spiral didn't well you? When,
0: if you swapped to plastic if you swap to plastic you know that their moral compass is gone yeah, they're just in it so, for so the money. So, they're just in it for the money.
1: And then your nana would always turn it into like a box for photographs. Yes. Or, or a sewing or a kit. Sewing Yeah. 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 There's always yeah. some shit in there. So you come in in January and think, oh, there's a box of Quality Street that no one knows about. Blah, blah, blah. I'm gonna am I'm gonna have a fudge penny. No, it's gonna be pictures of your grandma or your dad. You're like, oh, this is shit. Don't care it's about like- this. Is separate. that your
0: favourite quality street, is it a fudge penny?
1: Um no, I like the um green triangle. Ugh. What okay. do you like?
0: I don't like quality street. Do you prefer like I, heroes? I prefer celebrations. Mm, okay. But if I'm if I have to eat a quality street under sufferance, it's always the country fudge.
1: Nice. But
0: I do like a bit of fudge
1: i'm not a big fan of fudge like if i had to choose fudge i wouldn't eat it i think it's too sweet ironically yeah but you could just have one i couldn't eat
0: like 20 of them
1: you know when it gets stuck in your teeth though and you're like
0: they're not like women
1: (laughs) when you could have more than one (laughs) at a time your mouth's not that big kim (laughs) no (laughs) um so yeah first quality street the size of the tin She brings it into the clinic room. Um, Cynthia takes a call and says that there's twins on their way. So off they go to go and deal with that. Uh, Tom's giving service in the massive church. Babs is with a bunch of kids um, and they're all being super rowdy. She's a Sunday school teacher. I, yes. When did that happen? Right. Thank you. Because I was watching this and I was like, why is Babs in the church? Like, why is she minging around a load of kids? This looks well dodgy. And then they're like, (laughs) you're right that go nice. down a bit heavy
0: it's gone very thick at the bottom
1: yeah <clears throat> just, uh, snowballs yeah keep it fresh keep it yeah. fresh um but yeah she's a Sunday teacher like who knew um and does that mean that she has every Sunday off must do but they'd
0: probably be given time to go to church anyway in this period wouldn't they
1: no but someone's like people are clearly going to give birth and like phyllis is quite an open atheist no nobody
0: gives birth on a sunday morning there's too much going on in the kitchen
1: that's true if it's like christmas no mother in great britain has time to sit down because no. they're always like just, just sit down have some nuts have some crisps i'll be in in a minute you're like do you sure you don't want anything to eat no sit you down i've had to i've had like <laughs> i had a packet of crisps wednesday sit down i'm fine cooking dinner um, Does your,
0: my mum always used to say this kitchen isn't big enough for all of us get out
1: my mum doesn't cook um she's not very good at cooking at all so my dad always used to do it my dad's not that good at cook anyway but my wife and i we always host it's always our house so i have said quite a few times i've told people to fuck off out my kitchen because i'm cooking <laughs> <laughs> and I've said it that bluntly. I've been like, everyone out. I'm sick of the sight of everyone. I'm cooking. Bugger off. Go watch some TV. Eat all the food that's sitting out in little minging picky trays. Don't talk to me. I'm busy. Mm. This soup's not going to make itself, is it? No. Nope. Oh. No. Nope. No. The world's split into like the eaters and the providers.
0: I'm an eater, definitely. I'm a
1: provider. No. Every year ago, we're not doing this again next year. This is, is that... manic.
0: Is that the new definition of a top and a bottom the eaters and the providers
1: <laughs> just the hunters and the gatherers <laughs> 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 but yeah so tom calls for the choir um who now can't sing because babs to stop them being so rowdy is given them all a toffee chew so Barbara then has to have them all spit out their sweets into her hand, which is, like, grim. Um, The kids sing and they're shit. Babies (laughs) cry. Um, Trixie slips into the back and hoicks Dr. Turner out because there's some twins being born. This is the start of Tom and Barbara's love story. But also, how awkward must it be for Trixie to have to, like, be this close to an ex?
0: (sighs) Yeah, especially as it wasn't it wasn't really amicable is probably the wrong word but they he didn't want to break up did he
1: well no Trixie, come back come back here
0: yeah well she's not a dog
1: well he yeah
0: (laughs) but um so yeah it must be really awkward for them there's a lot of and i feel like there's a lot of um unresolved issues and tension that probably doesn't then get resolved until the next christmas special
1: no not really does it it's an interesting one um and but yeah barbara's the sunday teacher when do you think that started
0: when she saw tom
1: was single (laughs) (laughs) she was like ah here's my chance i can't wait to make papa mache noah's ark with all those kids oh you got
0: to do that
1: I, okay, here's a bit of a thing. I used to help the Sunday school teacher at my church. Really? Up, yeah, I used to help up with the kids. Anything to get away from, like, the teenage Christianity room where they tried to, like, marry you off.
0: Okay. Is that what happens?
1: Well, you were in the kiddie section, and then when you hit about 15, they'd stick us all in, like, it was like the cellar. Um, but they done <laughs> it out really nice, and we'd sit in there. there were beanbags and stuff and the hope was that you would find a nice christian boy to marry this doesn't
0: this doesn't sound anglican to me no it wasn't okay
1: um but yeah so i just anything to avoid that because honestly like you go in there and all the single men would be like so are you going to be my wife and he'd be like no thanks it was uh quite the uh environment Lucy. Monica Jones decides to cook the Christmas suet pudding without supervision. Um, after putting it on the hob, she instantly forgets and leaves because she's busy. She's got things to do. She's got stuff on her mind. She's got she's some yes to quote. Yeah, she's very busy. So next scene, Sheila and Tim are leaving the church. Sheila is just slagging off the kids that have just been seeing <laughs> Like She's styling cowls. She's like, they were terrible. They were off key. There were no tenors. I'm like, Sheila. The parents of those children are probably minging around you,
0: and they are kids. Yeah, come on, Sheila. Where's
1: where's your
0: where's your Christian compassion? Where's your? <laughs> she hasn't, has she? She's
1: just a helicopter mum. She's like Timothy. Why didn't you sing? And Tim's like, well, my voice has dropped now, don't you know? So I can't just can't be in a choir. I'm too manly. Manly. Man man man, 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 man. Um, while they're bitching about the kids and saying their shit mrs Willins or iris approaches and i should say she's shaking like a shitting dog as she does show she's really <laughs> frightened <laughs> and she's just a bag of nerves isn't she she's like excuse me excuse me mrs turner it's like what Aww. are you doing why are you so afraid it's only sheila
0: she's a woman that's been beaten down by sadness
1: i know but she needs to talk to Meg and meg Cause they'll be like you fucking <laughs> take her I'm telling you
0: <laughs> she needs to get a headscarf
1: <laughs> um, Sheila compliments the church says it's looking grand Iris asks if Dr Turner went to the twins because it turns out she's the auntie and Sheila's like well I shouldn't tell you but yes and Iris is like I must leave Whew. and she leaves like Mo Farah um <laughs> Rosemary is the mother of the twins um she's very heavily pregnant and it turns out it's a false start so Trixie and Cynthia explaining that it's not quite time yet which is really upsetting Rosemary um Iris arrives with fruit really excited like oh just got these off the barra I've got some tangerines it's all exciting her sister's there and explains to her that it's a false alarm but she takes the fruit off her anyway and it's kind of like is she the family doormat because everyone treats her a bit crap Mm,
0: yeah did seem Let's that say. way, didn't it? Yeah. Well, wait, 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 Heidi's pulling on our heartstrings. She does this. You know she does it.
1: So, anyway, I feel sorry for her. Um, Trixie and Cynthia then return to find Monica Joan has collapsed. And while she's collapsed, she's also coughing. They're like, Monica Joan, Monica Joan, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And Monica Joan's like, no um so they then, up, hear, then they hear that whistle like did you ever when you were little did, especially when in school we used to whistle in class and we used to we used to try and make it sound like a bomb coming down just
0: freak... why because we were so close to the second world war and it frightened we just the used teachers. to freak
1: people out um um she doesn't respond and then they hear this whistle that i've just done And the Christmas pudding explodes at at such an opportune moment. I didn't realise Christmas pudding's exploded. Well, I think anything can
0: explode if it's put under enough pressure.
1: Yeah, but the water would have surely evaporated by the time... Because it didn't have a lid on it. Oh,
0: well, it... hmm. I don't know. I'm not a chemistry expert. Frankly, I didn't even pass science, so
1: improbable one who has a chemistry um Does she she has a chemistry degree so if no. you could explain to us why the suet it exploded uh we'd love to hear it um so the next scene iris and her husband are sat in front of a fire it's the evening and he says oh you should eat some grapes because they'll help with the kidney stones she then says she doesn't have kidney stones anymore and then bursts into tears um and he's like oh i'm sorry darling i didn't realize and then they talk about the fact that um obviously they've lost a child Mm. who they talk about a lot later on um their child's been dead for quite a while but i think it happened around christmas time yeah i
0: i I, yeah i don't know i didn't really get that impression but it must have been for it to interplay with the
1: story to be so poignant yeah um and they talk about her crib, her daughter's, her, their baby was called Lorna. And she says how she's never been able to let go of the crib because it felt like she was letting go of her daughter. And it is like this for people who lose babies. Like they never do forget. I've got some friends who've had miscarriages and who've had stillbirths and they still talk about their child they could have had. Like it is a very much a reality, especially in midwifery. So I'm glad that they inco- include it. mm um yeah, it's
0: very poignant. It's nice. And to, people don't seem to... to
1: talk about the loss of a baby.
0: No. No, it's very difficult, isn't it?
1: It's quite a do subject. So next scene, Patsy, Trixie and Babs are in the bedroom. Um Trixie explains that Monica Joan has got a fever and is a bit bonkers. They're all doing their Christmas cards. Um who's Patsy sending cards to? Because she's got a massive pile of cards.
0: Yeah, we're in the days here where you'd sent cards to, you know, your school friend that you've not seen for 20 years.
1: Oh, I don't know. Maybe she's got, like, friends. If anyone's going to do no, a background she, she's not got friends. Shut <laughs> <laughs> up. Um, Patsy explains that she's going to have a whiskey. Trixie, uh, Trixie then says, alcohol's very bad for the complexion, so I won't. So, yes, Trixie is on that wagon. She's not getting off the wagon. Doesn't matter that it's Christmas. She's sticking to her guns. But she's also not telling everybody that she's getting help for her alcoholism, which uh, Mm. um, Barbara notes the top card in Patsy's stack is for Delia and asks Patsy how she is. Patsy says that Delia's mum, she's not sure because Delia's mum hasn't written to her in a while. Trixie says head injuries are so bad. And Patsy's like, yes. And then clearly dies inside while the girls kind of have a side joke. So Mm. Patsy's (laughs) been writing to Delia's mum. Yeah. And Delia. Well, yeah. Something's definitely happened in this time period with Delia's mum for her to be like this.
0: To be so distant compared to how she was in the last episode. Yeah. Where she was actually really quite sweet. Yeah. Well, she she got rid of the fringe, didn't she? And it changed her personality.
1: Well, fringes can be difficult like that. But I do think that I think her mum worked out, because also if Delia's not got a great memory and she's kind of getting confused and remembering things in dribs and drabs, she might have said something
0: Okay. would if she d- something? Yeah, but even a person with amnesia knows that murder is a bad thing, don't they? So would Delia know or at least understand that society? would think this is a bad thing don't mention it
1: not necessarily i mean it does come back especially if it's frontal lobes which is when she was first hit she might not actually have that voice of reason that says oh don't say that yet okay that could actually be impacted so we never we never really tie down what it is about mrs busby who's like evil evil london and they're lesbians something transgressed in this period and we'll never know Lucy. Doctor Turner visits Monica Ooh, Jane. hang Go. on
0: hang on did you not think though that they played this quite well from the setting of the scene because it's rare that Patsy appears on her own in scenes when it's a, a when it's a scene of all three of them it's it's rare that it's Patsy that's the one on the side unless Delia's is there yeah and I, and I felt like D I felt like Patsy was almost separated from the two of them a little bit
1: that's a good point actually it could well be that she's been separating herself because of what's happening and she can't really talk to anyone about it can she she can't go my girlfriend got hit by a car after we you know made sweet sweet love and got a house together and no what was it you said oh you want me to say slipping digits
0: slipping di- what, what was it what you said in the first episode as well was it finger blasted ah uh, yeah yeah
1: you've got such a lovely turn of phrase <laughs> well I am a writer um so Dr Turner visits Monica Joan, who is delirious very high temperature and you know he just says we need to keep an eye on her because she's very very poorly next scene Violet's shop Fred is being measured for a Santa costume um they're just adorable like she's sewing a hole in his butt seam and <laughs> they're just having a very cuddly chat about Christmas. And... you've got
0: to like someone a lot to get that close to their ass crack haven't you you really do (laughs)
1: um while she's doing that violet explains that she's doing a christmas raffle and the first prize gets a full baby kit including crib clothes nappies everything you'd need for a newborn uh should you not have prepared for its coming which is so helpful so helpful so helpful it's like they knew it's like it's it's it's, it's like it was written it's like it was written down (laughs) Next scene. Dr. Turner is very worried about Monica Joan and he's worried that she's going to develop pneumonia. Um, He prescribes Distaval, which is obviously, as we know, thalidomide, which I I like because it doesn't really get discussed again. But it's a nice little reminder that he's quite casually prescribing this at this time period. He's being
0: very liberal with it.
1: Yeah. Anyone who's sick, have some Distaval. It's a wonder drug. It's a wonder drug. It's going to cure everyone. So he gives it to her as a sedative. Evangelina is very matter of fact um, about the fact that she's sick. And she's kind of like, well, if she continues to be sick, we're not going to be able to look after her. It's the funny farm for her. And kind of just rods her off. And it's like, well, we can't look after her. And I just think it's an interesting moment because, as we see, we kind of explore their relationship in this episode quite a lot. Mm. And it's an interesting way... Although they are very different and their backgrounds are very different, they themselves are actually quite similar. Mm. And they bicker like siblings, don't they? Oh, totally. They really argue with each other. Mm. Usually for, like, humorous effects, but I think they went a bit harsher with this one.
0: Yeah.
1: Ferris yeah. is amazing. I love her.
0: She's, she's, she can sell a line. She can sell a comedy line like no one else.
1: She really can. She's, she's got depth. So the next scene, Patsy is now on her own, sitting in her bedroom. The lights are off and she's looking through a shoebox of sad things. She gets two pictures out of Delia and looks sadly at them. Um, she kind of strokes Delia's face in the picture. and Yeah, it, sweet. It's very sweet. But at the same time, like this is obviously paralleled with later episodes where Patsy is not there and Delia is looking at pictures of Patsy. Yeah. So it kind of shows how similar they are. But also, this is the only bit of mourning Patsy can do. Like, she can't write a letter. Delia's not responding to the letters. She can't get any information from Delia's mother. She can't go to Wales. She can't tell anyone at the artist that she's really upset because they'll be like, beyond the fact that a friend got hit by a car, you know, mm. six weeks ago. She cannot talk to anybody about what she's feeling. All she could do is look really sadly a picture of Delia yeah and she's still going to work and she's still smiling and she's still engaging with everyone like
0: must be eating her up inside
1: yeah and I think we kind of see that later on when they interact because I'll go into it when we talk about okay that. um so in the next scene Phyllis is looking after Monica Jane um and Monica Jane's been talking about her mum a lot um Julianne comes in and gives her some family heirlooms, which is this ring of pearls and a candlestick. A sapphire ring. Sapphire ring. Um, And she says that this might be some comfort to her. Mm. Um, Well, they're
0: from the episode. Do you remember the episode where she was accused of stealing them?
1: Yeah, and then it turned out it was her mum's, wasn't it? Um, Yeah. Tom then receives a letter from the BBC and is, like, Trey excited about it. His moment in stardom has arrived. And then after that, it's the next day. Monica Joan is a bit more alert, but she's actually refusing the food. So they bring her liver and she's like,
0: I don't want it. I don't want it. Oh, the tongue of urine. Yeah. Because <laughs> she thought it was kidneys. Yeah. That was funny. <laughs>
1: um, and she says she doesn't want to listen. They say, "Well, why don't you listen to the wireless?" And she says, "I don't want to listen to the wireless. I want to watch TV."
0: Yes, it is the portal to much happiness.
1: Yeah. Um, Barbara says, "Well, we have a TV at home, but I, <laughs> I can't go home." And then she has a bit of a cry because I'm like, "Babs, you work for NHS. You don't get holidays. You don't get Christmas. You don't get joy." Um, she's very <laughs> tearful. Monica Joan um, then says Christmas is about going home to family. Even in the nativity, our Lord was about seeking succour in the home of their birth. Um, and Barbara's like, oh, but I can't go home. But then Phyllis is like, my home was demolished. So I'm really looking forward to making new roots at the Interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. because
0: you've got the young person who you would expect to be probably less worried about these things who's very traditionalist in their outlook wants to go home wants to spend some time with the family then you've got the older person who you would expect would be more traditionalist and um what have you and it's like oh f- you know fuck that <laughs> I'm, g- I'm making a new family here now
1: but i also Quite. think phyllis is is
0: um she books the trend of what
1: Everything doesn't she? Yeah, she she's does. Like keeping up to date. She drives. She doesn't believe in God. She's she's you know, a
0: vegetarian.
1: She's a vegetarian. Phyllis is a trailblazer.
0: Yeah, things then that were unusual that are you know now pretty mainstream.
1: Yeah, she just. um So the next scene uh, is a dinner scene. I do like the dinner scenes. I like that dinner scene is kind of everybody's there. Everybody's paying attention. Everybody's reacting yeah
0: Yeah. Um, they're usually really well shot as well
1: yeah they like this massively long table it's Mm. uh a nice vibe so it's dinner tom is explaining that the bbc want to film um christmas carols in the actual church um Mm. everyone's quite excited but the younger ones are excited even the younger nuns are quite excited but julianne and vangelina are very um in the church really they're, in the church Cameras. they're quite disapproving aren't they mm, very and tom's really keen he says that sheila said that she's going to sort out the choir she'll take him in hand um and tom also explains that he wants to put an actual real live baby in an actual real live manger um yeah and everybody is aghast at this suggestion <gasps> like a baby one of our babies um and I'm like, guys, it's a Christmas special. It's in the script. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> sorry, a baby will appear. So, the next scene, it's the BBC arriving. And who's the guy? Hang- oh, hang on, hang on. Go on. Just backtrack. So,
0: obviously, Tom asks Barbara for her, her special help. Yeah. Did you not get a little bit of a sense here that Sister Julianne was cock blocking?
1: Quite possibly, actually, yeah.
0: Really? I feel like Julianne Why? knows everything. Oh, she knows everything.
1: She's like, "I'm like, gonna cause trouble."
0: Yeah, I feel like she was stamping that down as soon as she could.
1: Mhm. Which is odd because they are so well suited, and she was so up for Trixie and Tom.
0: It's probably because it's too soon on the back of.
1: Quite possibly, yeah. Um, So next thing, the BBC arrived. Who's the dude that's critiquing the church? He's from Gavin and Stacey, but I don't know Yeah,
0: Adrian Scarsborough.
1: Yeah, he's good. Um, He's quite good comedy relief, isn't he? Yeah, he's been Um, in a few things. And he's critiquing the church. He's very snobby. He's calling Iris Mrs Mop. He's saying they can't have any ugly kids. Uh, No one can look poor. Um, This is the BBC. It needs to look amazing. And they're kind of... They're like a bit nonplussed by him, aren't they? Mm. It's like, <laughs> what? Wait, it, this is Poplar. Mm. Everybody. He's very BBC. He is very BBC, very showbiz and glitz and glamour. Um, you expect him to come scene, out
0: with jazz hands.
1: You really do. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like, da-da-da, da-da-da-da, razzmatazz. Um, Razzle, scene, <laughs> Sheila is just pissed off about him afterwards she's just slagging him off like poor no mother would send out their child looking poor he doesn't even understand our clientele um iris then um drops in and um she says that she was going to give him a pink wafer but uh she decided against it in the end because he was such an arsehole um and she, she was like good um so yeah So they have a conversation and Iris agrees that she's going to help them prepare the church and get everything ready for the BBC. So the next scene, um, Sheila asked him to bring in grammar school children um, because she says they're basically going to get in some good talent into the choir because the old one's crap. So I'm assuming she's gone in and like fired all of the children.
0: That's so brutal, Sheila. It's so brutal.
1: You sound rubbish, so go away. We're going to find some better singers. Um, and then there's just a big montage of all the prep. So, you know, Iris and Sheila are putting posters up everywhere for auditions for this uh, choir. Um, and yeah. Next scene. I do feel like this is an episode that's spanned across a couple of weeks. Um, in the next scene, Evangelina finds Monica Joan, who's well now and on the mend, um, saying she's going to buy tinsel. And a tree. Evangelist says no tinsel. They've got this rule. They can only have Christmas stuff up for seven days just before Mm. Christmas. And Monica Joan is flouting the rules.
0: It gives us a timeline point, though, doesn't it?
1: Mm hmm. So it's not even. So this means this episode must have started like just at the beginning of December.
0: Well, it's before the 18th, isn't it, of December?
1: Yeah. Which means Delia's probably been gone about. Three weeks? If
0: that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the saying. Um next scene, Iris sees Rosemary, who's the mother of twins, and Rosemary invites her to come with her to the clinic because she's being seen by the doctor. Um Dr. Turner is in clinic and he's seen a boy with a rash. Um Dr. Turner says that this is the fourth case of measles in a week. Um and they discuss the fact that there is an impending vaccine, but, you know, they don't know when it's going to happen and when they're going to hold trials. Um, but there is a measles epidemic that's starting to brew in poplar. In the next scene, Rosemary is at the clinic with her auntie Iris and her waters break. Um, and hello and Iris is like, oh, my God, oh, my God, she's having a baby. Oh, wow. Wow. She's just amazing. Um, the next scene Evangelina is cleaning the kitchen after pudding explosion gate um, <laughs> Patsy Barbara and Cynthia are watching on why aren't they helping I, don't know. I like, don't know why are they watching an older woman do the work
0: because she'll get angry with them because they won't do a proper job
1: Patsy's in her cub uniform because of course um, they <laughs> say that they're off to go and see the Christmas lights Um and Monica Joan wants to go with them because they're obviously going to take all the kids and all the Cubs and brownies and all of the Sunday school kids. Barbara's taking her lot. Everyone's yeah. getting on this double decker bus and they're going to go around London and watch all the lights, which yeah. sounds so depressing. Um,
0: <laughs> we used to do that when we were kids. I know.
1: You know, you know, when parents would be like, guess what, kids, we're going to do this. And you'd be like, "Yay!" And then as an adult, you're like, how shit. <laughs> Um, so Monica Joan says that she'd like to go but Phyllis um, sort of vetoes it and points out that Monica Joan has a bad chest and she's just recovering from potential pneumonia um, Monica Jones they're sitting at the table at this point Monica Joan has been making a tinsel wreath for the door Um Vangelina's like oh, what is that? And Willie says, It's a wreath, you know, she's gonna put it up and Julienne says, you know, you must remember our rule about no Christmas decorations until the week before Christmas. Um at which point Monica Jones sort of has this long rant which then ends in, And I want a TV um, <laughs> <laughs> which, This woman is playing chess. Um and she kind of says, you know, there it TV brings delight to children and people are going to love it. And it's really important. Um, Evangelina, characteristically, obviously she hates anything new. She uh, immediately is like, absolutely not. People should not be spending their money on frivolous things like TV. They should be looking after their children. Um, Monica Jones says, she, even she knew delight as a child, because that's what children tend to prefer. They tend to prefer fun things. Mm. Even she knew delight as a child. Um, although her childhood wasn't happy. Evangelina then sort of gets really huffy and goes, you never knew hardship. You don't know what unhappiness is. <laughs> Monica Jane they they basically scream at each other. And this was a really interesting dynamic between the two of them that I kind of wanted to talk to you about, because Evangelina obviously come from extreme poverty. Yeah. And Monica Joan came from extreme wealth. Yeah. And that's why Evangelina is very driven, but she's very like earthy. She doesn't want fine things. She, you know, she almost embraces that poverty. She's turned it into a cloak of invincibility because she's like, I came from these people. I understand these people. They are my people. But obviously, she doesn't
0: understand them, to be fair.
1: No. And Monica Joan is very, has come from a really privileged background. I don't think
0: Um, empathy is the preserve of the poor.
1: No. But I feel like with Evangelina, she almost looks down on people who had money because they haven't known suffering themselves. So how could they empathise?
0: Yeah, I don't think it works like that personally.
1: No. And I do think a lot of Evangelina's beef with Monica Joan is the fact that Monica Joan is really well read and has you know, has been very much in part of all this culture and actually is I probably think... more intelligent than oh, Evangelina.
0: Probably, but also, um, as we know later, Monica Joan in her day was a bit of a trailblazer herself. Yeah. I think there's probably a little bit of professional jealousy there as well.
1: Probably. And you kind of see that again with Phyllis and Evangelina's relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Because Phyllis, like we've just said, is a trailblazer. Phyllis is somebody that's a vegetarian and, you know, she marches to the beat of her own drum. And Evangeline, mm. although you can kind of, she's a very traditionalist, but she almost feels like all she can do is defend tradition. She's not very see, open to it.
0: I don't see her necessarily as a traditionalist, more as a conformist.
1: Mm. Yeah. I don't necessarily
0: think she's striving to preserve tradition. I think she falls in with what the zeitgeist is of the moment.
1: But she is like she definitely prides herself on I say things as they are and as they find them and blah, blah, blah. But she's not actually that flexible. And whenever anybody (laughs) tries to offer anything new or try to help her, even when it's to help her physically do something that she's struggling to do, she reacts really badly.
0: She's very proud very
1: mm-hmm. proud and you know what they say evangelina prides us in whereas monica joan i would say monica joan is also prideful but in no, a different way
0: in a different way yeah
1: because monica joan definitely uses her intelligence and her education and her knowledge
0: she can run rings around them at that dinner table
1: yeah she can And it must be very boring if you're the most intelligent person in the room. No wonder she fucks with them so much. (laughs)
0: Explains one or two members of the Discord.
1: (laughs) It's just a cabaret. Um... So, um, they basically have a big Barney and Monica Jones, so Evangeline so tells us she never knew, Monica Jones never knew hardship. And Monica Jones ends up screaming and says, she did know, she did know hardship. And it's kind of like, ooh, what did Monica Jones actually go through?
0: It's a different, it's probably a different type of hardship, isn't there? There's, there's probably a, neglect. I would imagine so. There's, there's, there's a materialistic, um, neglect to some Mm. extent going on with evangelina there's um but even poor people can love their kids and can hug their kids um and there's a lot of um richness to life that's brought from that whereas even wealthy people can be very emotionally stunted and what to a child does a child want a gold ring or does a child want a hug off its mum and dad yeah
1: and if what, you're someone more who important? earns a lot of money because you work very hard, that's very, you know, commendable. But at the same time, are you have you made time to nurture that child? Because that's what that child will remember. That child won't remember the money that you threw at them. The child will remember you reading the bedtime stories. Yeah. And I imagine actually Evangelina was probably richer in that because she talks yes. about how she delivered her youngest brother. Is, so she obviously had a relationship with her mum and was quite close, close-knit family. Then you have the paucity of affection that's kind of shown with monica Joan yeah. and her childhood home
0: they're not in competition and they're not comparable they are no. both they're both going to affect you
1: yeah they're both carrying their own uh boulders on their shoulders little chips yeah that they uh they chip against each other so monica Joan ends up leaving crying and it's proper awkward everyone's kind of looking at each other like Ooh, you just made monica Joan cry um, Mm. Next scene, Santa slash Fred is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> encouraging Slushed the children. in the pants. <laughs> yeah. He's like, come on, ho, ho, ho. He's got a big bell. um And he's encouraging the children onto the double decker bus. Um, uh, someone, that, one of the kids actually goes, you're the man that's married to the lady who owns the paper shop. And he's <laughs> like, nope, distant cousin. Um, Patsy says that she's brought a bucket, fire bucket, full of sand in case anyone vomits. Barbara's also there. um, And off they go on their little Christmas adventure with all the children. It's all very exciting.
0: Weren't the old shots of London just lovely?
1: Yeah, they were. It's a different time, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I suppose now Blackpool is the big. Go see Blackpool Illuminations.
0: Yeah, on the the tram or in the
1: car. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, everybody. We're going to go see Blackpool Illuminations um they are enough they are blackpools run down
0: yeah i haven't been for a long time i remember going (laughs) i went when i was a kid but i remember going on a um ghost train yeah and it it was a type of ghost train where people just were paid to jump out on you yeah and this guy jumped out on us but me and my brother he just wanted to tickle us all the way through the ghost journey it was a little bit odd
1: yeah, it sounds a bit creepy. <laughs> it's a little bit odd. This guy one of sick children. <laughs> um we went to um I went with my cousin and my mum and dad and um we stayed at this really run down bed set where it was like in winter and you couldn't shut the window because they like it was bust. so it's freezing and me and my cousin had to like share a single bed because they didn't have children children's beds or two singles. So we had to like top and tail and um it was fucking freezing. And I remember, like, we, my mum and dad had, like, paid for meals. I don't know why. This woman was like, all I've got is soup. Seriously? And we were like, okay.
0: We'll have the soup then. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have the soup. And Looking at witchy. the menu, we'll
1: have the soup. <laughs> there was no menu. She was like, it's soup. That's all I've got, like, for breakfast. You want soup? And then <laughs> It was just rough. Wow. It was rough. And then my dad, in the end, was like, right, go to the office sent me and my cousin and um there was a homeless guy and my dad before we left was like do not talk to anybody and this homeless guy was like give us some money and I went what because I was like oh my god you talk to someone and then we just legged it through Blackpool it was great <laughs> um <laughs> so in the next scene Rosemary mother of twins is giving birth um as Iris watches on and she's kind of as she's doing it Iris is kind of reliving her own birth and it's like super traumatised by it like give that woman some counselling because she really needs it yeah she's just scared um in the next scene Monica Jones sneaks away like a thief in the night and can't we just take a minute to appreciate the next level of pettiness she's like oh I can't have a TV or a Christmas tree well I guess I'll just run away and die (laughs) then (laughs) won't (laughs) I <laughs> like, I love her. Like, that next level of kind of angst. And, you know what I mean? Mm. I don't think I could pull off that level of drama, but she's just a queen.
0: She's a queen. She's a queen. Absolute queen.
1: Literally, kind of a Christmas tree. I will die and you will wander forever where I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll do that next time. My wife. I'll be like, I'm going to have some ketchup. We haven't got any ketchup. Well, I guess I'll just leave and die.
0: That might be a tad (laughs) over Just
1: Oh, and this isn't just at the slightest inconvenience. Just be like, I'm running away forever.
0: Monica (laughs) Jones doesn't see it that way. The poet in Monica Jones sees this as, well, I don't belong here because they won't let me have these things. So if I don't belong here, I'm going to go back to where I do belong.
1: And she doesn't belong gonna, there either.
0: I'm going to follow the old Christmas story, which is rubbish because we now do it at Easter with Mothering Sunday. Heidi, get your Christmas festivals correct. But
1: anyway, so. <laughs> yeah. She's going to Bethlehem because she can't have a Christmas tree or a t- telly. Um, so the next scene, they're on the bus. Um, Patsy's leading a song of happy and you know it, clap your hands. Um oh, I hate that song. I know. And uh um, second
0: only to the wheels on the bus.
1: <laughs> Barbara is upstairs with one of the kids who's kind of laying on her and has a fever. Yeah. Um Tom gives Barbara a sweetie. And yeah. um there's a lot of uh double entendres going on here. So it's, oh, it's sherbet Lolly.
0: Yeah, it's Christian flirting. Yeah.
1: So Tom gives her a lolly, which has kind of got like this powder on it. And then when you lick it, it reveals the colour. And Barbara gives this really detailed explanation of how sherbet lollies work and how much she enjoys them. So she sucks this lolly. And then she's like, oh, which look at that. It's purple. And then she's like, go on, Reverend. It is purple why don't, now. You've why sucked don't, it. Why don't, you, why don't you give it a go? And then he gets it. It's like, wouldn't you believe it? But blue. So they're kind of licking lollies and looking at each other. And they're they not banged.
0: Like they're sucking.
1: They are. They're just sucking on lollies and giving each other eye contact. It's just pornographic, really, isn't it?
0: I mean, if you suck a lolly while making eye contact with somebody of the opposite sex, surely that means that you are then going to bang after.
1: I don't know. I feel like if I did it with someone of the same sex, it'd probably be more like dangerous. I meant them. Oh right, (laughs) (laughs) it was the opposite sex of like eating a lolly. Stop fucking looking at me, creep. (laughs) Move along. (laughs) um so they're comparing their colors and Barbara says well you don't know what you've been missing Ha and what a line
0: I bet I bet Trixie can't suck a lolly like this
1: I bet I bet Trixie could I feel like Trixie could probably suck a lolly better than Babs I don't know it's
0: always the quiet ones yeah
1: next scene, Rosemary has a baby girl um, which Iris gets to hold first and obviously she's shocked and nervous and she's like shaking because she's holding this newborn baby and she's crying, Rosemary's crying everybody's crying um, and it's just a beautiful moment because she's like oh it's a baby girl, it's a baby girl and obviously Rosemary's now got to shit out the next one so Iris is holding <laughs> holding baby number <laughs> one Um in the next scene, it's back to the bus, and the bus pulls up at the lights. Um, and while it's pulled up, Patsy is looking out of the window, which is kind of fogged with condensation. And she kind of does this double take, and then she rubs a, a gap so she can see clearly. And what she looks out at is Delia with her mum, who have the same hairstyle. Um, and they kind of, she sort of does a double take, and they make eye contact with one another. And Patsy looks almost sho- she's shocked but she's mm. also angry yeah like would you not be angry if you'd waited six weeks or five months whichever timeline we're jumping on here um and you you've been sending letters to a woman who has amnesia and then she's chucking herself round london
0: yeah but we we don't know at that point Perhaps he doesn't know why Delia's in London. Delia could have come for a hospital appointment, could have come to see the specialist, anything. She doesn't know. She's got a memory back. She doesn't know. She didn't know any of this at this point. So I think the anger stems from the the not Not knowing knowing. rather than the, oh, you're back in London and you've not contacted me. I think it's the it's the not knowing. I didn't know.
1: Yeah. There's definitely something going on in there. And Delia, when they look at it, Delia kind of swallows and looks really nervous. But here's my question, okay? And if anyone who's listened to this has an opinion, I would love to know people's different kind of thoughts of what people's kind of canon theories are. But so the bus drives away and then there's a close-up of Patsy trying to believe. Okay. So Delia is in London. She's well enough to travel, but not to write. And it must be going around Patsy's head like, where has she been? Does she remember? Once the bus has gone off, it then goes back to Delia, who's with her mum. And Delia watches the bus go outside. And she looks almost confused, like she's trying to work something out. And Mrs. Busby then goes, what are you staring at, Calliad? And Delia pretends that, oh, it's a bad bus. I'm not used to being in London, ma'am. And Mrs. Busby says, she thought it was, oh, I thought you were having one of your spells. And Delia's frustrated and she kind of says, look, I don't have them spells anymore. And um, Miss Busby goes, well, you haven't had one in a long time, but I hope you have your fill of London and then we're never coming back again. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I don't know, at this moment, had Delia really remembered Patsy?
0: I think Delia does remember things, but I think Mrs Busby's been hiding that Patsy's been in contact. So I yeah. think Delia, being very vulnerable and not quite sure of herself, perhaps thinks that, well, Patsy's not been in contact. It was always me pushing. Was it always me more than her? Is this her opportunity for us not to be together? Does she want to, to, you know, to get on without her life without me? I don't really know what's going on. I feel lost and alone. I think that's what's going on.
1: I love that because i i wasn 't sure whether she'd like maybe had an inkling of things like a few memories, but then in that moment when she actually physically saw Patsy, she was like a lot of memories just came to her, and I wondered if that 's why she. but I really like your theory of kind of like she just doesn 't know if patsy 's really into her and she doesn 't know if she should go and talk to her if she 's just let it be and
0: I think when you 've had that level of trauma it 's going to affect your. Katie is esteem. a very self-esteem, self confidence Katie is a very self-confident person, but that is going to knock her. And I think we see that vulnerability come through um, when they do eventually meet in the coffee shop.
1: Yeah, I think there's there's so much in this moment. And I think Kate Lamb, I have to say, Kate Lamb does a really good job of this episode. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting one because there's so much that's unsaid because obviously they haven't been able to communicate with each other they've literally been blocked so you've got Patsy on one end who's thinking maybe she never loved me has she forgotten me entirely was everything that we had a lie like or has she remembered? and then she sees Delia and she's like well has she remembered and she just doesn't want to talk to me is mm. you know decided she doesn't want to be with me and then you know if Deely is sitting there going well you know she hasn't contacted me and but that also leads to it why has mrs busby prevented that communication has somebody written and it would be Delia because patsy wouldn't do that because patsy's got all her faculties at this moment has mrs busby worked something out because she's going to know her daughter isn't she she's going to know her daughter daughter.
0: a mother knows the daughter her daughter i think that although she might not want to accept it i think she probably knows her daughter's tendencies Mm. Even to, even if it's, she might not know that she likes women, but it might be that Oh, Delia's never had a boyfriend. Delia's never shown any interest in boys. Delia's not interested in boys. Mm. This girl is very upset. Delia likes this girl. Delia keeps saying, "Who's this Patsy? Why do I keep remembering Patsy? Patsy, Patsy, Patsy. Where's Patsy? Mm. What's going on?
1: I better stop this.
0: Even if there's no relationship. Or even if Mrs. Busby can't comprehend that there's a relationship, she thinks her daughter's got a crush. Yeah. She thinks, I need to nip this. I need to stop. I need to prevent this for my daughter's benefit.
1: Yeah. So she's being protected. Because I think Mrs. Busby gets a lot of shit in like fix and stuff. Oh, she's um, just
0: overly protective. She's not evil. She's not a horrible. Her priority person.
1: is her daughter. Her priority not is not
0: Delia. Yeah
1: she's doing the best that she can in this period where if she was to voice it and say have you been slipping her digits like that's going to cause a lot of problems
0: i don't like that phrase (laughs) um and i know i've said some shit but well why does that offend me
1: (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so there's a lot of unsaid stuff and it kind of leads smoothly into when they actually do see each other so the next scene rosemary has had the second baby um it should be said like with with twins so the first baby if it's a natural birth the first baby is fine like it's it's all engaged and everything it's the second baby because once the first baby's out suddenly the second baby has all of this room and they tend to kind of like bob around so you get a higher chance of breach or them being sideways. And that's why emergency C-sections, that's why with multiples, there's a lot more risked. Obviously with risk. Obviously risks for carrying, but risks with actually delivering. Um, so the next scene, Rosemary's had the second baby. Um, Iris is overcome with joy that there's a second one and she's had a boy and Iris is crying. And then her sister arrives, uh, the grandmother. And sort of just goes, well, give that baby to me and rips the baby from Rosemary's arms. Uh, Rosemary, Iris's arms. And Iris is just distraught. It's like she's lost another baby, which in some ways is really sad. But also it's not her baby.
0: It's the, and it, that lady is the grandmother.
1: Mm. She's
0: got every right to say, can I hold the baby?
1: Yeah. But it just shows how much Iris longs, longs. Yeah.
0: It's and, really difficult, really awful.
1: And like we often talk about people who have babies who don't want babies and things like that. But infertility and stuff like that is such um, a difficult thing, like for some people who just long for children, but physically can't have them. It's a really difficult. My friend's going through it at the minute. She's waited 10 years. She's just had a baby. She's waited 10 years to have a baby. She's tried just about everything. She was told it'll never happen. It's impossible. And mm. um, she said a little girl. And it, it's so heartbreaking when you see how much they just deadly want a baby. It's just their goal. It's really sad. Yeah. Um, so the next scene, Patsy just stalks off the bus. She doesn't help any of the cubs. She rods them all off. She leaves them to just fucking deal with themselves. Patsy is so overcome by emotion. She just fucking leaves everyone and walks away from her responsibility, which is really unpatsy. and I think it's a really good sign of just how upset she actually is in this moment. Because she can't yeah. ever vocalise it. She can't sit down with Trixie and be like, well... You know, I love Delia and she was wearing my wedding ring. We're basically married and we're living together and she got hit by a car. She can't do any of that. So Patsy just fucking leaves and she's, that's why she's not a talker. Yes. Um, Barbara carries the sick child who was sleeping on her in the bus, who's called Tina, and she says that she's burning up. Um, the mum arrives and she sort of explains that she's got really bad temperatures. She's really, really poorly. And the mum's like, oh, I had no idea if I thought she'd be this sick, I'd, I'd have brought the buggy. Um, and Tom's like, don't worry, I will walk her home like a superhero. And Babs watching walk off in the distance and then goes and has like, I don't know, can a I danger just... wank. <laughs> can, I, can
0: I just check Barbara is a nurse, isn't she?
1: She's a nurse and a midwife.
0: Yeah, I'm just checking. I didn't feel like she'd dealt with this child terribly well. She was just
1: like, oh, she has a temperature.
0: Yeah, piss off.
1: (laughs) Take her home, deal with it. Um, But yeah, especially like, they should all know that measles is happening because Mm. it would have been discussed at the dinner table and things like that. Yeah,
0: and measles can kill in this era.
1: And also, this mother has, who has a son who has the measles, because she was, that was the boy that, Dr. Turner, so... The son has obviously given it to his sister, who the mum has then sent on a bus full of other children while she's contagious and shedding her viral strains. So everybody is now going to get measles.
0: Yeah. Well yeah, this, but they need but they need that. <laughs> they need that for the plot line.
1: <laughs> they do send a sick child on a bus. Like it's chemical warfare. Like, if you have a child, do not send them on a bus trip filled with all their chums because it's going to end badly. Um, so next scene, Phyllis comes into Monica Jones' bedroom, says wakey, wakey, and finds her bed gone. Nobody has checked on Monica Joan for several hours and she's vamoosed like a ninja in the night. Stealth-like. Stealth. She's gone. Um, next scene, Iris visits Violet. And she's really, really flat in mood. Like she doesn't really laugh. She's very like stiff in her facial appearance. Violet flogs tickets for the raffle and sells her two, one for each baby. Um, they talk about virus, Iris's daughter Lorna and Iris is really surprised that Violet has remembered her child and I, uh, and Violet's like, Oh, I'm so sorry, especially this time of year. So Lorna must have died around this time of year and it's been 11 years, she says. Um, and she said Aww. you know her daughter died at four months old and she says that she wished she'd called her something more cheerful because Lorna didn't really bring in how happy she made her and how in love she was with her baby what's,
0: what's wrong with Lorna I know Lorna.
1: <laughs> Lorna I wish I called her a good name not that shit name Lorna and everybody's good Lorna's like oh well, okay <laughs> thanks um, thanks very much Iris then is kind of dabbing it here and she says she needs to buy a bra expander because her boobs are clearly getting bigger. Um, so she needs, uh, and a brazier expander for anyone who, I mean, everyone should know what that is, but it's basically like, you know, the clips on the back of your bra is another one of them. You can kind of sew it on. Um,
0: well, you can get some that clip in rather than sew on now as well.
1: Yeah. Although my mother in law was like, Learn to throw. Um so next scene, Julianne and Phyllis are investigating Monica Jones' room. And Julienne's saying, you know, she has gone off before, I must I must inform the mother house. And Phyllis is like, Sister Julianne, you must inform the police. She has gone in the night and is sick and it's like Oh, layer it on, layer the drama. <laughs> oh dear. So dramatic. Uh, Dr. Turner visits the sick Tina with measles and says she has measles and then says that it's serious. Just to really reaffirm. I feel like a lot of this episode was people going, she's terminal. She's, she's measles. It's incredibly serious. And that's the scene, and you're like, ooh, it's serious. Ooh, ooh this is leading to something.
0: My brother's case of measles was so serious that the doctor took a picture so it could go in the lancet.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. His uh, spots. It can cause sterility, can't it? Mm. Oh, here's hoping. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So next scene, Sheila and Iris are auditioning the singers. I would just like to say I loved this scene because I felt like amidst Monica Jones vanished and maybe dead and the children are dying of measles because some idiot mother sent a measles-ridden child in front of all the other children in the bus. This scene where they're kind of auditioning the kids... Um, It was really funny. So like Sheila's opening the door and they're like, get ready for the horde. And Tim saying, oh, can I have a pink wafer? And Sheila's like, no, you need to save your strength. I don't want any crumbs on the key. We're going to audition <laughs> the kid. And she's really taking her Simon Cow seriously. And then they open the door and there's hordes of children rushing in with their mummy managers. And then this one kid's like, I've got a dog. <laughs> and, and, and Sheila's like, no, read the audition. It says very clearly we would need singers and he's like it's a singing dog and she's like if I can't sing Silent Night fuck off like I just <laughs> love it <laughs> I just love that everyone's like I'm going to be on the TV <laughs> I love it it's just a really funny scene um, the next scene is Peter taking a statement about Monica Jane um, and he's kind of saying he's in uh, Julian's office and Ju- Evangeline's behind her crying and um, he's like, "Has anything led to this?" And Julian admits, "You know, we're we're like a big family, and sometimes we argue with one another, and but we all still love each other." And clearly, there's a lot of guilt going on here. Mm-hmm. and uh, Yeah,
0: that's that's a yeah. She's come up with that after the fact.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's really bad. Um, The next scene, the choir... I kind of feel... I wish the audition had actually included like a montage of funny people auditioning because I feel like it would have added to the show.
0: It would have been even funnier if they'd done it like a Britain's Got Talent with like a panel of three people. No.
1: (laughs) Just a trapdoor door (laughs) while Sheila sends bad
0: singers. (laughs)
1: Um, So the next scene, the choir is practising and it's kind of a montage of itself. Uh, Evangelina is looking for Monica Joan in the street Everyone's looking for Monica Joan. It then says that it's 36 hours later. Uh, No one has seen her. They're all going, have you seen this woman? Have you seen this nun? Um, At which point they then find a pair of her shoes in the snow. So she's now shoeless. Um, Julianne is very tearful as she receives the news about this shoe. And while Peter's telling her about this, another policeman comes in and says they found the habit of a nun in a bin in a different part of London. It's snowing. It's cold. We're all kind of led to believe that NJ is brown bread. Um, the midwives are talking. That's dead in Cockney rhyming slang. <laughs> the midwives are talking about it and they're in the clinic and they're having a bit of gossip. So it's Trixie, Cynthia, Patsy. Um, Barbara says Monica Jeff- Joan left because Evangelina was horrible to her. Um, and I bet Evangelina feels really bad about it, at which point Evangelina storms in. Because um, she's obviously overheard that. And she's like, she tells them all, you know, stop gossiping. Um, you better leave. You know, you don't want to be making anything worse. And then she storms off and then she's like, oh, it's true. Everything they say is true. It's my fault. I've sent her away. She's probably dead somewhere. Um, so to kind of atone for her sins. Evangelina goes and buys a Christmas tree and puts up the decorations while crying.
0: i don't know it's just like where's the ladle let's put more on shall we
1: i know like also monica jane she's pro- like if i was monica jane if i knew that they would react that strongly to me not being there i'd probably just sit in the attic yeah and come down oh i'm here i'm here oh the christmas trees. up where's my tv think, um <laughs> yeah, there's
0: a lot of guilt and recrimination going on here isn't there
1: and definitely.
0: I think it's a bit of a rude awakening for Sister Evangelina.
1: Yeah, because she doesn't to- usually have consequences when she tells people off, does she?
0: No, and I think she needs them. I think people learn from
1: consequences. And Monica Jane is definitely the person who lays those consequences. I know Cynthia has a in a later episode, doesn't she? Mm. About being too hard, but... Yeah, Cynthia is definitely like Monica Joan is definitely her nemesis, because Monica Joan is the one that's like, No. I also want to point out the timeline. So Patsy's talking off the bus, the bus and everything like that. So it's the next day. Iris visits. Um, Phyllis then obviously finds that Monica Jones not there. We later then find out it's been 36 hours later. Monica Jones still not being found. And then we see Evangelina going by a tree and it's night time. So this is two days. This is 48 hours after the bus. New scene. Patsy is cycling home and Delia jumps out at her from behind behind a bridge she's like pats (laughs) and patsy a isn't surprised but also won't look at her Mm. because patsy has for two days been obsessing over where is delia why hasn't delia come to see me what is she doing why hasn't she come and found me she knows where i live i don't know where she is i don't know where she's staying
0: she doesn't love me
1: she doesn't love me
0: we're finished we're done Yeah. I don't this feel is the good
1: about this. 1950s version of ghosting ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'd like to point this out because in later episodes, I am going to point out the fact that Patsy takes ages to apologise to Delia when she does stuff. Mm. Like Delia will go upstairs and then Patsy will go and follow her up and have changed all of her outfit. And I, I'm going to take the piss out of Patsy at that point. I'm now going to take the piss out of Delia for the sake of balance. Two fucking days.
0: She had to get away from her mum though. She had to wait for her opportunity. Her mum is stifling her opportunity to be in London. Her mum is like, no, you're with me. We're we're doing this. I'm not letting you out of my sight. She had to wait for for the opportunity. And the first opportunity she was given, that's it. Patsy. Need to get to Patsy.
1: Okay, I'll forgive her for that then. Um, So Patsy won't look at her. She kind of like screeches to a stop on her bicycle, doesn't look (laughs) at it and then just goes, where have you been? Like,
0: not not how are you? Not how are are you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's like, where the fuck have you been? Because she's like, it's been two days, motherfucker. I saw you on that bus. Where have you been? Where have you been? You haven't sent me a letter. I've sent you letters. Where have you been? And this would be a fucking brilliant fic. Where someone wrote make sex just saying it um
0: what in the alleyway
1: yeah well why not it's been yeah it's been done
0: well it hasn't we we know we know
1: what happens so yeah um Delia is really nervous. Like they're both very cautious with each other. Like in parallel to the last episode where you know they were touching each other's faces and sharing scarves and no one's going to know how much of an angel you are and all of this stuff. Yeah, they're both exceptionally cautious with another. Patsy's not really looking at her. Delia's kind of like creeping out of the shadows and explains that she she's been waiting for Patsy for however long for Patsy to come back for a call. Because she mm. didn't want to go to an artist and be with other people when they first saw each other again.
0: I can understand that because it's going to leak. It's going to leak. The first time you see the person you love, it's going to mm. leak out
1: yeah. after that long. It's going to be difficult not to be like, I
0: love you. Yeah, but <laughs> it didn't happen in the in the street and it didn't happen in the coffee shop. So what was Celia worried about?
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Patsy literally was like, wait here. While I go and get changed. So at this point as well, it should be noted that Patsy's very pissed off with Delia. Like, Patsy's angry, and Patsy's angry because she thinks that Delia has ignored her letters. Mm. So I think a part of her thinks, okay, she's not spoken to me, she doesn't love me. And even now, I think part of her is like, this is when she tells me that she doesn't love me anymore, and she's remembered, and she doesn't want to be with me, and she's just going to do the right thing and actually say to me that it's over. So she's very cold. So when she's like, I'll go and get changed, I, I think it's almost like she has to go and prepare herself.
0: She's putting her armour on.
1: Yeah. It's, okay. it's an interesting one because they're both very defensive because neither of them is truly aware of the others. Well, they've
0: not been communicating. No. This is this is it, people. Communication It's important.
1: If you want to create drama in a story just prevent them from having a conversation and that will cause enough problems that you can really deal with everything. Um, so the next scene, they go to the silver buckle. No, they don't. It is the silver buckle.
0: It's not. I screenshotted it and went. Where, is, where are it. they going?
1: They're cu- it's called the cinnamon. The cinnamon?
0: Yeah, cinnamon something.
1: Oh, ah, so it's a completely different place, because I was like, it looks really, look- it's even got the jukebox, which is their thing. Well, I
0: want to talk about that, but yes, um, no, it's not the silver buckle.
1: Wow, the cinnamon.
0: Well, it says cinnamon, yeah.
1: Oh, that could be a good pun, though, couldn't it? The cinna-man. Oh, so we've got silver the- buckle tied yep. in with
0: the nurses, and now with the cinnamon.
1: Yeah, the cinna-man. 'Cause obviously they they are the game. They are sinners. They are sinners.
0: In the eyes of the Lord. Yeah. Because God hates people that love each other.
1: They do. He's not a fond. <laughs> According <laughs> to certain Christians. Not all of them. Um but yeah, so they're at the Cinnamon, which ooh, that's a good pun. Um so they're at the Cinnamon. Um and I noticed that is the person that's putting the music on this time. I know. All of the scenes before that it's always been Delia.
0: Yeah, I think the the choice of song is poignant as well.
1: Which song do they pick?
0: Well, it's. I uh, knew you were going to ask me that. It's Angel Face, isn't it?
1: Angel Face. face. Which. Billy what's Fury. Tedious, who, yeah. But what's, what's patsy, tedious,
0: You're an angel.
1: You're an angel, and no one will know. No merge. one
0: else. But also, we'll come to it as we do the scene. But it's really, really well cut together, this scene.
1: Mm hmm they act their socks off I think this is this is kind of the pinnacle of their romance because there's so much going on Mm. and it's so good Um, so they have a coffee together Um, Delia then kind of explains that she couldn't write at all for the first month but then she wrote Patsy's three letters which her mother sent this is where I think Mrs Busby read the letters
0: do you think she read them or just kept them
1: No, I think she read them. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because I think Mrs Busby is so anti-Patsy during every other meeting they have after this.
0: I see. I don't see her as being anti-Patsy. I see her as being anti-London.
1: I think she's anti-London, but I think specifically like when they're asking for Delia's passport and things like that, Mrs Busby is... Even when she's not specifically against Patsy, she knows that Patsy is involved in the reason why Delia wants to come back to London.
0: Yeah, but she doesn't know if Patsy's a willing participant, I don't think.
1: I don't think she does point. until they go back at Easter and Patsy's like, she can stay here. And then I think Mrs. Busby's like, oh, before now I just thought it was my daughter and now I find out. And then I think she probably thinks that Patsy has
0: some hold over
1: not some whole, but she's kind of defiled her daughter in the way that, you know, her daughter was innocent and this woman has come from with her fancy ways and her fancy city ways and she's (laughs) got a career.
0: She's not from the West Country. (laughs) What what are you going on
1: about? She's coming down here with her airs and graces trying to teach my girl how to be a lady and she already knew, you know what I mean? I feel like that's kind of the attitude. (laughs) Hmm.
0: I have to be honest. If I had a daughter who was Delia's age
1: I'd be quite proud if she'd been defiled
0: by somebody like Patsy I know I'd, I'd be like, like
1: "God girl slow clap well done um but yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so she says that she's written three letters which her mum never which her mum sent and Patsy goes well I never got them um and they obviously have this moment where they're like oh okay oh so, I was sending letters. You never got them. That's why there's so much awkwardness. And they kind of both take a breath at that point. Um, and then Patsy goes, do you think she suspects? <laughs> like, she... And Dina um, uh, goes, no, I don't think so. I think she thinks you're just my friend. And Patsy's like, no, yeah, for training school. Yeah. Why is her. she angry?
0: I don't understand why she's angry about that.
1: I think she's really salty about it, isn't she? But
0: Patsy doesn't want anybody to know about them. So Delia has not said anything. And then she's like, oh, you only told her that I helped. You helped me at the Cubs. Fuck you.
1: But I think that's kind of what's brought it in, hasn't it? Because Patsy, I think up to that point, has always been like, we must be quiet. We must be safe. And then when actually it came to the gristle of it all, and, you know, she actually had to deal with all of these emotions and everything like that, it suddenly became real that when people don't know about you, you can't have a say and you can't actually interact with the person that you love. So I think she's learned a lesson here. Okay. It's balance, isn't it? We can grow. <laughs> she's growing. Um, Delia says that her mum doesn't want her to come back to, to London. She says it could be months. And she's kind of worried that Patsy's not going to wait for her. So when she's saying it, it's almost like she's similar to what she did before when she wanted to get the flat she's almost trying to sell it to her like you know it could be months and she's she's doing that thing that delia does so often where she's just waiting for patsy to make a big commitment or a big statement and patsy's like um nothing over here got nothing to say (laughs) (laughs) bless her and um and she's kind of worried and then pats patsy holds delia's hand yeah independently
0: and delia strokes patsy's fingers
1: yeah or knuckles yeah mm. and then patsy goes you look tired which isn't <laughs> that romantic thanks babe thanks you look rough um but um and delia kind of says you know she loses her train of thought sometimes and her memory um and sometimes she feels like she's losing you know memories and Patsy goes well it's better than losing you and it's mm. kind of a very subtle way of the two of them kind of reaffirming cuz Celia's kind of going you know this is who I am now post head injury there are issues and stuff that there weren't there will you still want me cuz she's obviously got a lot of anxiety around that and Patsy's yeah. like i thought i'd lost you entirely and now you're here and i can't fully explain to you how bad it was but it was bad and the idea of losing you is terrible Yeah. But I also think it's interesting because in the next bit, so Delia says she's staying with her aunt until after Christmas um, and Delia had to sneak out so that she could see Patsy and Patsy says, and she goes, and Delia basically says, you know, after this, I'm going to have to get on the bus back to my aunties and then we'll have to go back to Wales. And this is Delia pushing. She's still pushing. She wants Patsy to say something And Patsy sort of is frustrated because she's like, what am I supposed to say to that? What what do you want me to say? Because she doesn't know the script. She doesn't know how this kind of thing works because she's Mm. never seen it. Yeah. And she's never had to deal with all these complex emotions. And Delia. So Delia does this really long monologue where she's like, supposed to say, don't disappear again. Meet me again. Don't break the thread. Write to me. Let's pick up all the broken pieces. Let's pick up where we were. And Patsy goes, start to just say, she, "She's not back. from fucking Swansea." Well, you do the accent then.
0: I can't do it. I sound like I'm from. You're Black your thing.
1: actual Welsh person. You do the accent.
0: I I can't do it.
1: Right. Well then. Um, I would say when Patsy says, can't I just say come back? So this is the first time we're really seeing Delia actually telling Patsy what she needs Mm. in really kind of bold terms, because she's laying it all out for her. She's like, I want this and I want you to say this. And Patsy kind of solidifies and says, can not I say come back? Because she's not really comfortable with being that expressive because she's so controlled and she has to control herself so much. I think she doesn't really know how to let go. Yeah. But also, as Stevie is saying this, Patsy is like visibly struggling with herself. Um, And I do think it's interesting because if you had tried your luck and then your girlfriend was hit by a bus, it would be a lot to be willing to put yourself out there again. Mm, Okay, because, you know, given Patsy's track record, every time she's like given in or really been part of something everybody dies or gets hit by a bus (laughs) (laughs) so it's quite a brave thing for her to be like please just come back
0: well yeah she is brave but also love is quite a powerful emotion it's probably love is more powerful than grief and love is by and large, more powerful than hurt. So, if there's the chance of that again, I don't, I don't think a lot of people would turn that. Like, it's not like Delia's betrayed her or upset her. I mean, something happened to Delia that Delia didn't choose. And Delia's yeah. put herself on the line and said, I'm here. You know, I want this. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily even with Patsy's history I don't think it I think it would be the harder decision to say actually no I don't want this I, I'm gone that's it for me now I'm, I'm done I think it's actually the easier decision to say well yeah let's let's
1: try again then I think and also in a way they're both reaffirming that right they're back on the bus yeah <laughs> the relationship is back on yeah like, and it's it's a really big deal. And then they have to separate again.
0: Yeah, but they're not but that's a that's a a, a physical separation, not an emotional separation that has been. Yeah, it's and they different
1: write to each other now, so they're both
0: it, Well they they are clear now in their minds where they are, whereas they weren't before.
1: Yeah. I see what you mean. I agree. So Patrick then <laughs> C you off. Oh you wrote oh, a load no, of notes, no, didn't you? No,
0: well I didn't write a load of notes. I just wanted to make a point that Okay I watched this episode twice I watched it once on Britbox and I watched yeah. it once on iPlayer the yeah. song during this scene is different on Britbox to iPlayer is it Yeah on iPlayer it's the original Angel Face on yeah. Britbox it's something else that I couldn't quite grasp I couldn't I couldn't get hold of what it was
1: I think Danny has worked this out and actually found the song for this okay. one Okay but um, what
0: One of the big things about this scene for me is that Angel Face, a lot of the lyrics are, darling, I love you. Yeah. And those lyrics tend to interplay with the quiet moments in their script. So it's like, it's almost like it's their subconscious talking to each other. I love you. I love you. Whereas that's completely lost in the other version. It just doesn't happen. And it really, really? it really takes away from the scene. It makes it much, much less impactful.
1: But I think that definitely with those two, whenever they put a song on the jukebox, there's definitely a message there. Like there's, there's a lot of subtlety with Patsy and Delia where they kind of try to throw a lot of extra stuff under Mm. the radar. Oh, there's a lot of subtext. There's an awful lot of subtext. Because obviously they can't just have lesbians, you know snogging and shagging you. in the street they just can't have that it's not what they do it would um, frighten the horses <laughs> it would frighten the children um so yeah so um it's just a really powerful scene and i think it's delia what well kate lamb pats off to her really because delia the whole time in this scene has got this like visible tension and kind of energy that's barely being restrained and you can almost get this feeling that's like she just wants to burst out and like touch Patsy and hug her and just and Patsy's Patsy's so restrained but even she's just like you're here you're here and I just she I think Delia when she's stressed is someone who would pace and I think Patsy when she's stressed is someone who would stay very still Mm -hmm. But
0: can you imagine that scene in a different context? Can you imagine if they'd gone up to Patsy's room to have that scene, for
1: instance? Yeah.
0: If Trixie wasn't around, it would have been a much different scene. It would have been very Definitely. different.
1: And that's where the world of beautiful fan fiction comes in, guys. Yep, somebody will write it. Somebody should write it. Um, well, I've got my my I'll write it. Um, So Patsy sees Delia off on the bus and Delia then gives her her scarf, which is kind of like because obviously Delia was wearing Patsy's scarf when she was hit by the car. She then has saved it and gives it back to Patsy and tells her Mm. to keep warm. So she's almost like passing the baton on.
0: Well, there's a really nice fic that was written that that, uh, from their point, the writer's point of view, explains that this whole thing is their way of saying I love you. The the exchange of the scarf is that 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 that's Look I love it. You. It was really really nice. Thick that can't remember what it's called. I never can. Somebody will. It's <laughs> lovely.
1: But I do think there's this thing with Patsy is very very much someone who's who is her language of love is service. So she does things for people. She'll go to extreme lengths. She will do tasks in order to show that she loves them because she's not a verbal. So for Patsy, the giving and the taking of the scarf, I can see that as being very yeah like that would mean more to her and I think that's showing that Delia understands Patsy enough to use her language of love to show her that yeah very nice. Nice. um uh, so Delia gives her her scarf tells her to keep warm and Patsy tells her like you call me when you see the doctor um and Delia's like definitely of course I will and Patsy kind of walks off smiling holding her scarf to her because they're back on and she's got the love of her life back and it's, you know, it's going to be OK. Um, next scene, a fisherman sees a dead body on the dock and calls into the police um, because they think it's Um, Julia and Evangelina are allow- asked to identify the body and Phyllis offers to drive them. Um, and it really ramps up the tension at this point. Dr. Mm. Taylor visits Tina, the sick kid with uh, measles, who's even more sick um and the mum explains that Tina's a bit hallucinating so there's little green men in the wallpapers and things like that um and Dr. Turner basically says you know Tina may die and the mum's like can't you help her it's just measles and Dr. Turner's like it's never just measles like there's a high chance and we never actually find out if this kid's dead or alive or not no it's unresolved I hate that um Next scene, uh, Evangelina and Monica Jones go to uh, check this body and it turns out it's not Monica Jones. But the fucking stress of that scene watching it the first time. I remember Christmas and being like, have they just fucking killed Monica Jones at Christmas?
0: Yeah, I felt the same way.
1: Brutal. Um, Next scene, Sheila and Tim are practicing the song. Um, and Tim doesn't want to say one word because it's breast. And it's like, oh, Tim's can't a dumb, He <laughs> <say> breast. <laughs> um, the phone rings. Um, and it turns out there are even more measles cases. So Dr. Turner has to go out and deal with more dying children. Fun. Uh, next scene, it's another dinner scene where they're all praying for the Monica Jones return. Julianne is distraught, just wants to cry because Monica Jones has not been found. Evangelina's really down in the dump. Everyone's miserable. Um, cut to the next scene where Monica Joan is sleeping in a barn and chatting with a rat
0: But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, it's a lovely 12 night quote isn't
1: it it really is I was like fuck's sake um, next is but so this kind of tells us she's alive because they've I think they had to put it in there because they've played so hard on this idea that like she's dead she's dead she's been oh. mugged and everyone's stolen her <laughs> clothes
0: we need to see why she's still alive just to prove it
1: just to reassure the audience. Um, in the next scene, Sheila is at the surgery, um, and Trixie arrives. Um, and she explains that Dr. Turner's been delayed because he's gone to the Board of Health due to all the measles cases. Trixie explains it's a bit of exposition, really, because Trixie says Monica Jones still hasn't been found. Uh, Dr. Turner arrives and then says that quarantine procedures have been agreed for the measles. So, ev- you know, the schools are breaking up early. The kids have to stay home. Sheila's really initially happy. And then she realizes the choir has been suspended for the BBC <laughs> production. So she's like, God damn it. My <laughs> moments of glory is gone. Oh my God. Oh, I, I was going to be like Whoopi Goldberg and sister actors. <laughs> we love him.
0: We love him. Da, 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 da.
1: <laughs> uh, in the next scene, Sheila and Tom have to go to the BBC to explain. Uh, the BBC man is all like this is rubbish, you know. I was i was in Dame, Petty Fort Show, Peter Pan, and I was sick of <laughs> the dog, but no one goes shit about me and I had to play. And she was like, I'm ever so sorry that you were mistreated as a child. But we have to stop children dying of the measles soz Um and they basically agree that, you know, children do matter, which is a very Christmassy vibe. Well done. For call the midwife for getting that in there. But also they're going to <laughs> basically do it without the children so they you know there might be a newborn in the manger but it's going to be the nuns and the artists who are going to be on the bbc um in the next scene monica joan is arriving at her childhood home um she's found like there's an ivy covered pillar uh, just a second so sorry that was my puppy um so she arrives at the childhood home um in the next scene iris and Sheila are talking. Uh, Iris says that she's been working flat out on costumes for all the children. She says that um, there are some seamstresses that have been smuggling their babies into work so that they can measure up kids for angel costumes and everything, which I really like. Um, and then she says, um, you know, she's always cared about the church. Um, she Um And then she kind of talks about the church like the church is a child. So she says, you know, I've always washed um, the face of the the church and cleaned its nappies and stuff and it's all very metaphorical and all very beautiful a bit creepy um <laughs> and then iris says she's going to give her daughter lorna's crib to the church for the tv production she talks about how she's finally ready to move on from her loss of a child and you know she's ready to let go and all of that stuff and it's all very poignant
0: yeah you know? very poignant and it's... leading up to what's going to happen hmm
1: so next, thing, Monica sort of joins to the tits. Uh, so Monica Jones knocks on her, the house door of her childhood home, and it's a wreck. And hippies are squatting there. Um, she's very haughty. And she talks about memories of her childhood. She talks about wolfhounds, Romulus and Remus, which is like, oh graphic. wow, that's
0: very posh,
1: <laughs> so posh, and. Um, uh, she sort of collapses in a chair and the hippies are really nonplussed, like this old woman who's talking really randomly. Um, and they say that they're gonna be, they're, they're squatting here because they're protesting the nuclear weapons, which is a nice touch, the stuff that's gonna happen in the next series. Mm. Um, and Monica Jones says this house was always a house of discourse and attrition. Um, which is a really interesting way of talking about her childhood home because it kind of shows how unhappy she is. And Monica Jones says that she has come home. And the hippies are like, fuck, we did not plan for this at all. (laughs) Um, In the next scene, Sheila and Julianne are folding clothes. Um, Sheila says that she wants midwives and nurses to sing instead of the children at the church production. And Julianne kind of hesitates and then says she's going to do it because she's learned that she has to change because Monica Joan has left and it it's made her sad. So Monica Joan has managed to, like, in her spite, make huge, make people be like, OK, I'll do all of the things as long as Monica Joan comes back. That's power. <laughs> That's power. That, that is power. Wow. Um. So Monica, uh, Julianne then says, you know, she's there because the clothes they're folding, she says she's folding these clothes for the woman they thought w- that was dead that they thought was Monica Joan and she's doing it and she just needs something to distract herself. So, yeah, she's up for it. Mm. Um, But I also like the relationship Monica Joan, Monica Joan, Sheila and Julianne have. Yeah. It's a real mother-daughter. There's quite a lot of
0: shippers for that, though, isn't there? Is there? Yeah, Julianne, yeah.
1: Weird. No, no. Julianne. I'd ship Evangelina and Phyllis before I'd ship these two.
0: Oh, that sort of poses the
1: question, pa-
0: Patsy and Deanna aside, what's your favourite ship?
1: What's your favourite crack ship?
0: Yeah, what's your favourite ca- crack ship?
1: Phyllis and Evangelina, or Trixie and Patsy. I've got to say, I think it might be Trixie and Patsy. That is a crack fic and a half, that's a Halloween special, that is. Apparently so,
0: somebody's going <laughs> to write that, I wonder who yeah. that was.
1: <laughs> so the next, if you have a crack fic that's your favourite, like, knowing like the weirdest crack fix you can think of that you'd be like no i could buy it like if we're stepping outside of canada and just put some random stuff in fred and dr turner oh no that one's weird
0: there's, there's, there's a rip in his sons pants for a reason
1: oh no <laughs> okay so next scene um the hippies are discussing monica jones who looks dead um and that he's saying that you know she refused their um i think they made risotto and she wouldn't eat it but they <laughs> gave her an eccles cake and she ate that um and they keep calling her antonia yeah. so she's like i have shed my nun nunhood i'm not a nun anymore i'm just a normal woman trading the countryside
0: <laughs> quoting shakespeare
1: <laughs> this yeah, everyday old woman um Monica Joan then says that she's come home to be counted and every episode every like um scene I saw here I expect it ended with her going I have come home and every every bit I was like she's about to say I've come home to die but she doesn't until later on so every single scene I was like no the first one she's (laughs) like I have come home and in this one she's like I have come home to be counted so she's like recounting the nativity story but I was like drama um everyone's getting ready to sing Trixie's going to give everyone a makeover everybody's prepping Phyllis is gargling whiskey to lubricate her tubes I love (laughs) that. and she swallowed it <laughs> evangelina finds you made
0: her. me swallow it you made <laughs> me swallow it
1: <laughs> yeah so it's like oh you've made me swallow it It was just to lubricate my tubes and evangelina's like you're gonna need a lot more than that to lubricate those tubes um and then evangelina's like oh i'm not here to argue and they have a heart to heart because i actually think so monica jane represents evangelina's um Almost, not enemy, but she's like her rival, Mm. isn't she? Phyllis is her equal. Okay. But she's her mirror image. Do you think? I think Phyllis is who she could have been if she hadn't been a nun and she'd been allowed to go out and be more independent because they're very much of the same. They're kind of a similar age. They've been doing the similar thing. They're both midwives, but they lead different lives. Monica Joan is this trailblazer who's kind of like, you know drives Evangeline mad because from a religious aspect she's different and has more entitlement, but Phyllis, they both come from quite a mean background. Phyllis is who she could have been if she traveled instead of cloistering herself in the safety of the religion
0: cloistering
1: nice yeah. um
0: I don't know i don't I don't necessarily know that i think I agree What do you think I think. That I don't really know what I think to be honest. My my just my gut reaction was I'm not sure about that, Charlie. I think that I think that I think that Phyllis is more competition than Monica Joan is. I think Monica Joan is just slightly Older, well, not slightly, I think she's much older. I think Monica Joan is almost the um the I, the person she looked up to but yeah. had angst with It's almost like a an older sister younger sister relationship with them yeah I think like the a real mentor. like a mentor, I think the real competition is with Phyllis because Phyllis is the one that will come along and say. Mm, that's not how we do things now we've moved on since then and we don't do that it that way anymore i think that i think that professionally phyllis is the one that challenges evangelina more
1: but this is what i think like i think they phyllis and evangelina are equals in a way that she isn't really equal to anybody else and phyllis and Evan, that's why they clash because evangelina feels quite threatened by phyllis because phyllis is coming mm. in with these new ideas and these new things yeah. But Phyllis represents the kind of freedom that she gave up. You see, I don't think she sees it that way. No, I don't think she sees it that way, but they are definitely two sides of the same coin. Because they're both old traditionalists, but Phyllis has moved on and continued to be flexible and continue to change. See, I I
0: don't see anything traditional about Phyllis at all.
1: She's a judicialist in the fact that she is that old school nurse that's really scary. I don't know whether you've ever hung out or met some of the old school nurses, but actually it was interesting because during Covid, we had a 40,000 deficit of nurses and the government went, how are we going to fill this? And they sent out emails and letters to all of the nurses gone by, who even people in their 60s who had retired from nursing and asked them to come back um to kind of fill the slots because so many people so many nurses and healthcare assistants and people were dying mm. and suddenly wards had like these really old, really senior, terrifying matrons and there's something really inspiring about that kind of nurse because they are another level of fucking like you just wouldn't mess with them. Yeah.
0: Like that I get that. But I guess think... kind of is that. No, I don't see that, you see, because, remem- you know the scene, we're, we're jumping ahead, but remember the scene where um, Delia delivers the baby on the phone? Yeah. And Patsy's the first nurse there.
1: Yeah.
0: And she hugs that mother and she kisses her on the forehead? Patsy does. No, 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 Phyllis does. Yeah. And then later on... Phyllis with the mother who's being um, physically abused by the husband and she gets yeah. her away. The, the the physical compassion that Phyllis will show to a patient, I think, belies what you're saying.
1: No, but that's in the a way, the old- care was a different level. That, you know, we talk about patient centred models now, but that was all they did. Patient centred. Like there's a lot to be learned from the nursing of bygone era.
0: Yeah, but would a, a, a stern matron be kissing a patient on the forehead?
1: Yeah, but they were stern, but they were also about all about patient care. OK. It wasn't about models. and I, I, I can't really explain it, but I just fucking love Phyllis. Um, Phyllis is amazing. I think she's brilliant. I love her. Um, uh, so in the next scene, uh, uh, while they're talking, Phyllis explains that Monica Joan, she says to Evangeline that Monica Joan was talking a lot about her childhood house and talking about how she had to go home to be counted. And then a light bulb goes off in Evangelina's head as she decides, I'm going to check her file. So that's what she does. Um, meanwhile, there's a slight scene where Iris is cleaning the fireplace in her house, and she gets a twinge, and she's like, oh, and drops her feather duster, and she's like, oh, oh, <coughs> whatever what was that? Um, cuts back to Evangelina. She's gone to the police station. She's telling Peter she knows where Monica Jones is. She's checked her file. Um, the family home is in Berkshire. Um Peter says he's called the Berkshire Constabulary, but um you know they'll send someone out there and Evangelina's enraged she's like What you're not going to send a policeman to Berkshire to check this wild goose chase? How dare you dare you and peter's like you know there, there's procedures, and Evangelina's like, procedures so she stalks out in a fury, collars Fred as he's driving in his van, gets in, and tells him they 're going to Berkshire, and it's literally like avengers assemble, like. We will go and (laughs) (laughs) get in the van, Fred. I'll tell you on the way. We're going to Berkshire. And I love that Fred's like, okay, But he doesn't even question it, really. He's like, I've got some Christmas trees. just go with it. Shut up, Fred. Um,
0: Drive, bastard. Drive. Uh,
1: The next scene, church is being prepped. Winifred is being compared to the Mary mother. Um, Barbara's uniform is told that it's too limp. uh, It's black and white. (laughs) Um, and Bar- he says, you know, the hat, it's too flat, maybe. Is there any chance of frills? And Barbara goes, oh, definitely, definitely frills. And she's being, she's taking the piss out of him, but she's doing it in a very Barbara perky way. And it makes, and Tom laughs at some of her jokes, but she didn't really laugh at Trixie's jokes. Well, Trixie doesn't make jokes. No, Trixie's just serious and dramatic. Um Next scene, Sheila is prepping the crib. Um, iris arrives and she basically collapses and she's like oh mrs turner i feel very so well i think i've got a kidney stone i had them like nine months ago but ever since then you know it's all stopped and i don't know what's going on and it's like as an audience we're like oh <gasps> a new story and it's the baby's gonna go in a crib and it's christmas and of course she's gonna have her christmas miracle um so the next scene monica jones hallucinating her mother and it kind of hears, like, there's, like, echoes, isn't there, of the mum and yeah that you hear are going, Antonio, nanny found a Bible in your room again. <laughs> She's, like, having to hide the Bible. <laughs> That's <laughs> so awful. <laughs> um, and then she says, I have come home to die. And I was, like, thank you. I've been waiting for that line for the last four scenes. Also, she said, <laughs> die, Monica Jane. Um, Next scene, Iris is in bed in the doctor's surgery. Dr. Turner asks her about, how, you know, have you had any blood? And she goes, oh, I haven't had any blood for like nine months. Um, she says she's gone through the change. She's had no periods whatsoever. Um, Dr. Turner examines her, listens on the stethoscope and obviously realises, hears a heartbeat on the stethoscope and realises mm. that she's in labour. So she gets Sheila to listen and then both her eyes light up. And Sheila goes, Iris, I'm going to be moving you to across the way to the mother and baby unit because you're you're in labour and Iris like this is the bit where I teared up because Iris mm. is like a baby oh my god I'm having a baby and it's just emotion it's totally it was
0: it was totally emotion it was lovely and amazing. it's so
1: well acted as well amazing I mean the woman who plays Iris is fucking Victoria amazing. Hamilton
0: she Such played good. the young Victoria before um, Emily Blunt did.
1: And she played the Queen Mother in, um, in The, the Crown. Crown. Yeah, she did. Yeah. yeah. It was quite a small role, though. Yeah. So good, though. Yeah. Um, And then she sort of goes, oh, I don't feel safe. I was told with my first baby, the most important thing is to feel safe. Because she's literally shaking because, you know, she didn't know she was pregnant 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, Evangelina and Fred are on a road trip and they're having a bit of a, well, did you look at the map? No, I didn't look at the map. Well, just keep going. I don't know where I'm going. So they're having like a bicker. Evangelina bickers with everybody, doesn't she?
0: Yeah, she loves it. It's it's her form
1: of communication. Hmm. Um, Next scene, Iris is still shaking. She's in complete shock. Um, And Julianne arrives like a fucking hero. And she's like, I am here, never fear. She's like the fairy godmother in a handbag. Like, she should have just arrived in confetti in a big load of cloud of like, Poof,
0: yeah, I am here to
1: deliver your baby.
0: It is Jenny. I guess so. You know, come on.
1: Um, so Julian arrives and she says, and Iris says, you you delivered my Lorna, and Julian says, and I've remembered her often in my prayers. <laughs> really. Um, and then just like that, Iris delivers a little girl. And it's such, it's it's the best scene. And I know we've got the cupcake scenes, but mm. it's such a, an emotive scene. It's acted so, it's so raw, the emotions. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, so she has a little girl and her husband's outside while she's obviously giving birth and he's shaking and doctor is feeding <laughs> him a cigarette to his lips mm. and iris reaches and she actually once she's been born she gets to hold her very own baby and you just see this absolute unboxing of longing and it's such a... you can just tell this baby is precious this baby yeah. so loved, loved it. already like, her mum's only known about her for 5 minutes but her mum is like <clears throat> tsunami everything's there um next scene evangelina arrives so they've arrived at the house and she's found evangeline monica jane we don't actually see her coming in and seeing her or talking to anyone but she's praying Mm. she's reading the bible next to her and i think she's reading of the last rites isn't she i i didn't know i didn't click it um monica jane finishes the line with her and then they speak the rest of the parable together and it's very clear in that moment that although they have the differences and although they argue like cat and dog, they do love each other. And Evangeline mm. absolutely loves Monica Joan. And she doesn't want her to die. No, um, Evangeline, so they have this really like profound moment where they're staring at each other. And then Evangeline goes, snaps back into business, takes her temperature. Um and it's like, right, take, put this in your mouth. And Monica Jones like, I don't want to. <laughs> um, and they just snap back into what they've always been. And Monica Jones says that she pawned her mother's jewels. Um, and she's like, and <laughs> Fred comes back in, and they're like, we're going to take you home. And that's it. So Monica Jones has single-handedly fucked off for an entire week, sold her family's estate, all of which she had. <laughs> so by a TV so she could have her own way. She's literally like, they'll find me soon. They'll find me. She's outsmarted them all again. Honestly, like she's completely got her way. I don't know why anybody fights her. No, just give in straight away. <laughs> it's quicker. Um, and it's less angsty. I know. Um, so in the next scene, Mr Willins, Iris's husband, comes in, guesses the baby's weight, which is six pounds something. Because he's a grocer and he can tell the weight just by holding it. Um, They decide to name the baby Joy. Because Iris is honestly ecstatic and wants the baby to have a happy name. And then she's like, oh, I don't have anything for the baby. I haven't got anything for the little nipper, not a bunch, not a little handkerchief, nothing. And it's just adorable. Mm. Um, next scene, Patsy answers the phone at Nanata's. Um and it's Celia who tells her to meet her at the phone box because there's someone in here in need of attention. Oh, it's very flirty. It's, it's very flirty. Isn't it? You could use that line now in the modern day and it'd still be flirty. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Charlie, I'm on the street corner, I'm in need <laughs> of attention.
1: <laughs> I'd be like, Are you having a heart attack? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Like, there's a defibrillator, because now all the phone boxes are defibrillators, aren't they? Yeah,
0: well, there's something palpitating, that's it.
1: <laughs> it's your bauble clip ring. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next scene, um, it's Violet's shop. Violet and Fred are cheating um so violet fred comes in he's like you will not believe what i've been doing i've been to Berkshire and back and she's like hush now fred you can have a cheese supper providing you basically they get all these old raffle books out and they cut out the two tickets that iris has won and they fill a whole bowl full of these two so no matter what (laughs) happens she's gonna win i mean i Um, don't
0: approve of fraud but you know generally but this is good i like this
1: it's in the script um so the next scene, Patsy arrives at the phone box and they actually run to each other and hug. Aww. And and also, okay, so they're hugging in the street and then they slip into the phone box, which is yeah. a very, like, for people who don't have phone boxes in the country or who haven't been in a phone box, it's not that big. No, they are small. They're, they're designed for one person to use the phone. It's a little tiny, it's like coffin-sized. Um, <clears throat> if you ever been in the coffin and um, so <laughs> but they're in this phone box okay Delia's saying that her headaches are going to go away quickly the doctors said that she's actually recovering really well Patsy says how she wants Delia to come back Delia says well she has to come back London's where her life is where Patsy is and Patsy says well she's not going to go anywhere she's going to wait and they almost kiss while they're together and talking okay first of all a phone box is three walls of glass So for someone who isn't that, like, expressive and doesn't want people to see her... It would have seemed up.
0: It would have seemed
1: up. Yeah, but, like... And also, the whole time, you can see Delia's hands. Delia's hands are on, like, Patsy's shoulders and on her side. Where's Patsy's hand? Because you can't see Patsy's hand. Is it undercarriage? Who knows? Who knows? Um, You can't see Patsy's hand at all. Um, But also, they are in a really public space because... Mm. Lots of people didn't have phones in the house, so they had to oh, go to the phone box. Oh, and boxes. we know they're there are people Christmas. there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and we know there are people there.
1: So they're literally two people. And at that point, like, I don't know about you, but if I saw two people in a phone box together, I wouldn't assume they were making a phone call.
0: No, I'd assume they were getting it on.
1: Yeah, because that's kind of... So it's just a strange thing for those two to go in there. I can't see Patsy actually doing that. Um, why not just go in an alley? I don't know. Because then they wouldn't be interrupted. Well, Heidi needs them to be
0: interrupted because if they're not interrupted, it will go too far for BBC at eight o'clock.
1: Yeah, they might actually kiss and show affection and then, you know, someone would have to the church. That's true.
0: Well, somebody would
1: complain to Ofcom. Yeah, that's true. Um but yeah, so they almost have a snog and then uh someone knocks on the door and says, People are out here waiting, you know and Dealy goes, People are in here waiting, like Oh She's waiting. There. She's See, waiting. This is kind of the scene I know you think that they got
0: it on in the flat before the accident. And i I think you've sold that to me now. But one of my biggest um reasons for them not having done that was
1: people are in here are waiting. But that could just be they've been away for a long time and it's like, I am ready.
0: I know what you're saying. It felt more loaded than that. In the moment when I first watched it, it felt more loaded.
1: I certainly think there's a difference because obviously we see in the next season, sometimes Patsy's little one liners are definitely twinged with a bit of uh, sexual tension.
0: Yeah, I hadn't read it that way until you said what you said about the
1: flap. Yeah, we'll discuss it later, because I think there's a lot more Patsy in TV. Yeah. Well, there's not that many, actually, is there? Not many, many like, at all. Um, But yeah, so. I We're just, over halfway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's nice because you kind of, I think for everyone, like when she actually, when the episode ended, we all thought, is that it? Is that the end of the episode? Yeah. To have this, it was like, ah, oh, OK, it's not the end of the episode. There's other stuff going on it's nice it's nice i like it i like it a lot and the next scene is kind of the final scene so the church is being filmed tom and trixie having a night well they don't really have a nice chat they have a chat where trixie is making like a bouquet and tom's like oh flower arranging i didn't know you could do that and trixie's like i have lots of skills you have no idea about tom uh the raffle is chosen and word you adam and eve it, but iris has won the new baby bundle um all the nurses don frilly caps and everyone goes together including monica Joan, into the cab to drive to the church mm. where sheila sings silent night and everyone sort of mings around and not singing um, <laughs> iris's... <laughs> iris's baby is in the crib and while Tom is watching them all sing, Tom is watching Barbara specifically. Mm. He's not watching anybody else. He's watching Barbara. So you can tell that, oh, this is going to be the romance for the next series. Yeah. Um, so it all finishes because Monica Joan finally buys the new TV. She wanted all along. And a new Christmas pudding. Um, everybody watches their, you know, the BBC showing of their faces on the TV. And it's the end. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Um, so I realise we are going a little bit over now, guys. So I appreciate anyone who's still listening, but we did actually have a few questions later. So Kim, um, okay. Cactus asked, theoretically, if they were back in a flat at Christmas, would they have mistletoe? And if so, who'd be diligent enough to call for a kiss every time? Patsy. Do you think?
0: Yeah.
1: I think it'd be Delia.
0: No, I think once Patsy's in that flat, I think all bets are off in terms of affection. I think that's where she'll just unleash.
1: Do you think like a coiled spring that's finally gone boing? I do. Yeah. I think it'd be Delia because I think Delia's so like, just snog me. I think she just, she so wants like physical affection and verbal affection. I think Delia would be like, oh, look, the mistletoe. Oh, look, <laughs> again, the mistletoe. Oh, look.
0: Oh, look, it's followed us. I think <laughs>
1: Cassie would be um
0: fuck off delia
1: (laughs) (laughs) um cactus what would they have got each other for christmas
0: i think patsy would have done not necessarily got a new ring but would have given back the ring that makes sense
1: yeah i could see patsy giving a very practical gift because i don't think patsy has she probably hasn't had a christmas where they've been like proper coupley so i don't think she would have that still yet so i can see her buying her like socks or perfume or something quite impersonal but she would spend hours looking for the right pair of socks (laughs) really trying to find something you know she wants to show affection but she doesn't really and i could see delia being like i bought a strap on merry christmas like, no, no way, no. <laughs> I can see Delia just going right, left field with it and buying something random. Okay. Um, uh, Danny asked, who would have gotten their present for the other months earlier and who would wait to the last minute?
0: I reckon Patsy's last minute.
1: Yeah, I can kind of see that. Because she probably hasn't celebrated Just Christmas panic, before. just the yeah. panic. And would have been like, I've been thinking about this for ages.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Open that dildo. Um, oh, probably. <laughs> and so, uh, and also, who would make the snow angels? All of them, both of them. I, I think they'd all make snow angels. Yeah. Everyone at the artist. I'm surprised uh, they haven't put that on their final montage yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that. That is the episode. Have you got any final thoughts, Kim?
0: Just that it's possibly my favourite ever episode.
1: It's mine. I absolutely love this episode. It's my favourite Christmas episode.
0: It's definitely my favourite Christmas episode, and I re-watch it quite a lot, actually.
1: I watch it a lot of Christmas. I think yeah. Iris makes it. I think the pupcake makes brilliant. She's brilliant.
0: She's brilliant.
1: The Iris character I, I really love. I think she makes this episode such a good actress such Mm -hmm. a good actress yeah they were lucky to get her they really were I'm surprised Victoria Hamilton went that small
0: um well we'd call the midwife Christmas special you're looking at several million people watching it so you know yeah um but in terms of other Christmas specials she's definitely I mean okay we've had a couple of Cusacks what have you but yeah definitely definitely she's big
1: yeah, I think this was a really, I love this episode. It's its my yeah. favourite Christmas special. And it's a really lovely cupcake episode. Yeah. Well, they get back together. So please we're do. happy.
0: We're happy, happy Heidi. It's Thank
1: you. Happy ending. And um, if you've got any opinions on this episode, if you've got anything you'd like to add, please do let us know. Um, please feel free to join the Discord or leave a review.
0: And we are on the Discord, and I can't speak for Charlie, but my DMs are always open if you want to chat about stuff.
1: Yeah, if you want to slip into Kim's DMs. I quite (laughs) like a little bit of slippage.
0: Not digits, though. No, that's just crude.
1: (laughs) But, yeah, that's the episode, guys. So thank you very much for listening to this extra-long Christmas special, and um, have a nice time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.